afternoon. Welcome to a special early and longer version of Jays Talk Plus. I'm Blake Murphy. The Toronto Blue Jays have fired manager Charlie Montoyo. Jeff Blair and Kevin Barker were just on with you for an extended edition of their show. We'll be with you for three hours on Sportsnet 590, The Fan, and for an hour on Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet.ca. The Jays win one last night. They're one and nine in their last 10 heading in. They get back on the right track in a, a gutsy one, but one that wasn't without drama, one that wasn't without question marks about what was going on in the dugout and decision to challenge and bad vibes and visible frustration. The clear takeaway here is that the decision was made to let Charlie Montoyo go at, at the latest on that most recent road trip when the Jays went one and nine. There were, of course, reasons that you wouldn't want to let him go coming back from that trip with the service for first base coach Mark Budzinski's daughter on Monday that a lot of the team was at. You maybe don't want to let it go too long either, though. The Jays make the move today. John Schneider will fill in as interim manager for the remainder of the season. We'll have audio at 3.30 from Atkins and Schneider. Uh, they're addressing the media a little later. Tim and friends will have the that for you as well if you're watching on TV. We'll have it for you here on Sports at 590, the fan on Jays Talk Plus. There's a game tonight at 7.07 to tee up. Uh, I'm not sure any Jays fan wants to go too deep on Ross Stripling's elite changeup right now. So instead, we'll tag in Ben Nicholson-Smith of Sportsnet of At The Letters, and we'll sort through this Charlie Montayo firing. Ben, how are you, buddy? I'm doing pretty well. It's been a, a busy day so far, Blake. How are you? I am feeling the same. I'm I'm in this nice SN Bets hoodie, which finally Cabby comes through with a hoodie for me, but it's because the news came down like mid-run, and I'm like, well, I should probably just reroute this run to uh, the office, and I needed something that wasn't very, very sweaty. Um, ben, are you surprised at the timing of this move? Yeah, I am surprised. I wouldn't have predicted that today would include a firing um you know i think going into the week this is how i viewed it i thought this was a huge homestand and i thought if they went two or four two and four one and five oh and six then montoya would be gone but i did not expect it to be now because for one it's a busy time organizationally the draft looms on sunday they are dealing with a lot right now as they try to prepare for the trade deadline and and the draft and so i thought for the front office just let it play out for a week, get through those first two days of the draft, and then if things aren't going well, you make a change. But they clearly wanted to make that change right now, and John Schneider is the new manager of the Jays. So in terms of Charlie Montoyo, in terms of the overall decision, the the timing is a little curious, but Charlie Montoyo is 236 and 236 as Jays manager. The team is only four games over 500. They've lost significant ground in the wild card race since the start of July. Um, Yes, they're still a pretty solid offense, but that's been sliding of late on merit. Does this surprise you a little less than the timing? Well, I don't know with merit. It's such a funny thing with managers, right? Because, you know, you can look at a person's resume and you can say they've done this and they've accomplished this. And, you know, those are all great things to point to. And, And Montoyo's legacy is something that we can consider is, as time goes on here or even today, but for the Blue Jays, we haven't heard from Ross Atkins yet, and I haven't spoken to him. Uh, but my 
my understanding is this as to how they look at these things. It's not purely does this guy deserve it because Charlie Montoya deserves to stay. He's a great guy. He's very consistent and he knows baseball. So on those grounds, he deserves to stay in the job and see this through. But the way the Jays look at it is alternatives. We hear that in free agency all the time. And so if they thought that John Schneider was better, which obviously they do, if they thought that he was better suited to lead this team tactically, emotionally, whatever the case, then it doesn't matter if Charlie Montoyo, quote-unquote, deserves it. The moment that they decide that John Schneider is better for that role, they got to make that call. You know, and, and you know, with some extenuating circumstances for stuff like the Bazinski family funeral, but basically, if, you, if you've made that decision, you, you've got to move on, regardless of resumes and who deserves what. In terms of John Schneider, we've heard a lot over the years with Montoyo that, uh, I mean, you can just see looking down the baseline every anthem, just how large this coaching staff is. And we've heard that the front office and the analytics department and and other groups have a lot of input on the day-to-day decisions. And um, maybe that, you know, takes credit and blame away from the manager when things are good and bad respectively. Um, But does it also leave us in a spot where it's hard to know what will change under John Schneider? Well, tactically, he was a driving force behind a lot of what they did anyway. So we're not going to see a lot of different tactics, in my opinion. I mean, I'll be surprised if we see it. So, you know, from a a spokesman standpoint, um, you know, Schneider will be a different type of spokesman than Charlie Montoya was. As all managers had different tones, they're both different than John Gibbons, and the next manager will be different than than all of them as well. So that part will be different. But, you know, the, the... question to me um, is what it's like behind the scenes and that's stuff that we never get the full picture of um, and that's something that Schneider has uh, long-standing relationships with a lot of the players on this team Bo and Vlad and Kirk and others Jansen uh, who came up through the system with him so he's got a lot of relationships not that Charlie Montoya didn't but it's the nature of those relationships and it's the kind of tone set um, from player to manager um, that will change and how that changes uh, we're not sure yet, of course, um, day one here. Um, but but that's an important element in this, is that behind the scenes, what tone is set, um, what kind of what kind of relationships are there. And, and there's some, there's a school of thought, you know, from people who, who have been around the game for a long time that, you know, in some corners, the Jays have, have been, I don't know, for lack of a better word, I guess just missing some opportunities here or, mm-hmm. or lacking some focus maybe. I mean, honestly, the Vlad Jr. thing last night, like, you got to step on first base. Like, <laughs> that's pretty simple, right? Um, you know, I, I'm not – and the threading through the glove. And, um, you know, some sometimes um, this team has looked as though it doesn't care to the full extent of what it could. And that's – look, I'm not, I'm not out here saying the Jays are, you know, um, you know are, are, are absolutely – uh, you know, mailing it in by any stretch. They're an intense group. There's no question about that. But there have been moments, as there are in most 162-game seasons, there have been moments where you say, man, this, this team is, you know, they could use a little bit more focus here. And that's not something you want to say, and that's not all on Montoyo, but um, obviously the Jays felt it was time to change something. With John Schneider, you mentioned the relationship he's had with players coming up. That includes championships in 2017 and 2018 at Dunedin and New Hampshire, respectively. In terms of changing that tone or that level of seriousness, um, sure, Schneider could have an impact on that. And probably the biggest challenge for him will be that I would imagine it's a tough move from the number two chair to the number one chair if you've got to be the bad guy at times and uh, the buck stops with you. But 
how much of this do you think is while the team's underperforming, it's pretty obvious and pretty dramatic of late and it's too early to make a trade. So this is, you know, you can't, you can't trade 26 players. So this is kind of a signal to the guys in that room who by most accounts love Charlie Montoya as a person. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no, there's no question about who Charlie Montoya was as a person. I think, you know, we've seen him be very consistent as a leader, um, you know, as, as the Jays were displaced from their home, um, throughout the Budzinski family tragedy, many, many other examples. I mean, he is, he's certainly very beloved within the Blue Jays organization and around baseball. So that's not in question here. But, yeah, I, you know, it's – I don't know. I think I, – I, I wonder I wonder a lot of things about this, and I'm looking forward to hearing the, the answers from Ross Atkins and the Blue Jays later this afternoon. Um, but, you know, I don't I, – I think this is also – it's not just because it's not trade season yet. There's an element of this where they, they felt it was time to make a change, that, that they had to change up the manager. They had a better option than Charlie. And, and you know, when you look at partly, too, like their bullpen isn't good, and that's on the front office. And Vlad Jr. and Bo Bichette are underperforming. And Vlad, again, like, you know, I, I spoke to him last night, and he was, you know, he, he was understandably a little bit, little bit downcast and, and, and trying to look forward and say the team has to have, have its back and everything along those lines. But there have been moments this in the last week where you see the glove, the ball going through the glove, you see him missing first base. Like it's, it, there's a lot of frustration there with Vlad. We saw him last night with the replay. He looks like a very frustrated player. And if your best player, the, the cornerstone of your franchise coming off an MVP caliber year is that visibly frustrated it doesn't reflect well on the leadership of the team. And so I don't know if that had any kind of impact on it, but I, I just wonder. I wonder. So Schneider's been in the organization since further back than 2008, a catching instructor. Like he was under 30 and he's a catching instructor and then uh, managing at Gulf Coast League uh, and has worked his way up. You said that, you know, this comes down to the Jays felt they had a better option. You could look at John Schneider's tenure in the organization and see a 42 year old who is coached basically level for level in the minors. That looks like a guy who has for a long time been being groomed for this opportunity. Longer term. Is this like, like the Snyder have a window here to run with this job. If the Jays turn things around here, like the interim tag will stick for the rest of the season for sure. Um, But has this front office considered Snyder a potential long-term managing option before this point? I think that this decision shows that he's in the mix to be a long-term manager for this mm-hmm. team. You know, they, they could have gone to Pete Walker, um, who would have been very capable. They could have gone to Casey Candell, who was just promoted from AAA to be the team's new bench coach. They had options, but they went to Schneider for a reason. And, and I think, you know, generally speaking, you almost always see full managerial searches in October, November, at a time that you can, you can interview candidates from other teams and do it when their contracts are up and, and have those discussions. So that likely um, will happen after the season for the Blue Jays. And at that point, maybe we will certainly hear names like Bud Black, who is a long-standing mm-hmm. friend of Marsha Pyros, managing the Colorado Rockies. You know, it, that's a name we're going to hear, among others. But Schneider deserves to be in that mix. And you know, like if the Jays, this is still a talented team. And and again, they're going to add at the deadline. So it's not out of the realm of possibilities if the Jays turn things around and Vlad starts hitting again. The bullpen starts producing, and Schneider looks great, at which point he might even be the leading contender to keep the job. Yeah, you'd think so. And look, some of this is, 
you know, the the term that gets used is it's not a very nice one, but the dead coach bounce. And what that is, is not necessarily that the coaching change has an immediate impact on performance. It's that coaches only get fired when things are at in a very bad place. And there's going to be some natural regression come after that. So if the Jays rail off five in a row here, uh, that might not be all Schneider. You mentioned Casey Kendall uh, would have been a, a fun one as well, not just because he played for the Expos, but I've always found his story fascinating. For anyone who doesn't know, um, his mother and sister both played professional baseball in the league that a league of their own is based on. Uh, so so you could have some fun there, especially with the league of their own coming back as a, as a series sometime soon. But John Schneider's in the role. And obviously there will be a minor league shakeup because you've got to replace Kendall's uh, spot at AAA as well. Ben, when you look at what's been off with this team the last little bit, and yeah, a lot of it is kind of the you can see it, but you can't quantify it kind of thing. But if there were a change, you'd think John Schneider is going to look at something and be like, all right, this is what we've got to adjust. No more home run jacket or no more, you know, falling down 0-2 in as many counts or, you know, something different with the bullpen. What do you think the lowest hanging fruit here is for John Schneider to attack? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I um, I don't see anything. I, again, I think that tactically his fingerprints are already over mm-hmm. this team. So, you know, I, I don't think that – you know, we're going to see, you know, Ross Stripling goes to a setup role or Vlad Jr.'s bumped to the seventh spot. Like, I just, I don't see it. I, I think, you know, we could see some smaller things for sure. Maybe the lineup looks a little different. Um, that might have been coming anyway. I mean, to your point about the kind of dead coach bounce, right? Like, it's it's potentially a shift that the Blue Jays would have contemplated regardless of who was in that role. So, we could certainly see, um, you know, some sort of, some sort of changes. But I, I don't think that, like... I think that Charlie Mont- I know that Charlie Montoyo trusted John Schneider's judgment in a in a bench coach role, and I think that we're going to continue to see John Schneider's judgment here. So I'm not expecting very different tactical approaches. That makes sense. Um, you know, you might you might uh, hope for some better results. Certainly. Um, so a big reaction that I've seen, and this is entirely fair, and, and you touched on it a little bit earlier. Uh, it's not quite trade season yet, and changing the manager is a route to improving that is available to you now. If you believe that John Schneider is better suited to the job than Charlie Montoyo at this point, I know Ross Atkins is going to speak at three 30. Does this signal to you anything about what the Jays level of aggression or urgency will be coming out of the all-star break and up to the August 2nd trade deadline? No, but uh, you know, to me, I expected them to stay aggressive anyway. There's never been a point this season where I thought, they're not going to be aggressive. I mean, it's such a precious season. It's such a good core. They have such good pieces in place. And the avenue to improvement is so obvious. I mean, we've been saying this for months, and we're not professionals in the industry of, you know, of baseball front offices, right? Like, you know, you got to improve the bullpen and maybe add a back-end starter, and then you've got a really good team. So the Jays know that. I mean, it's, it's very obvious. So they'll do that. They'll improve the bullpen. By how much, we don't know. You know, for what price, we don't know. But I don't think that this, you know, I, I, to me, this, the big thing about this move is Vlad Jr. And to me, it's like he has been good, but not great for the first part of the year. And if you have great Vlad Jr., that's huge. So is there a way to um, get more out of him? Um, you know, and that's, and that's not about this week. That's not about tonight. If he strikes out four times or hits three home runs, it's more for the duration of the season 
and moving forward. And rightly or wrongly, right, because it's ultimately that's on the player, that's on Vladdy to do that, um, and, and it's on the Blue Jays as an organization. It's not just on one person because Vlad Jr. is the one taking those at-bats, but you, you want more than you've gotten. And so this is maybe a lever to do that because, you know, you're not, you're not, you don't have a lot of other ways to potentially change things. Um, and, and to me, that's a big difference from this year to last is his production. Do you have any sense of how Vlad might take this move, given that he does have a relationship with Charlie Montoya, but also has one with John Schneider? I don't know. I'm curious to find out. I mean, it's, uh, it's a group that wants to win badly. And, mm-hmm. you know, Vladdy's oversight at, at first base, missing that bag. We've seen errors from Bo. We've seen um, mistakes from a lot of players on this team, as you'd expect. But, you know, this team really wants to win. They show it in different ways. You know, Vladdy and Teoscar maybe are more likely to be smiling. <laughs> Bo is more likely to be head down, let's go. But they really do want to win. And they're frustrated, in, in my opinion, and from the conversations I've had, this is a group that's frustrated that it's not performing better. Now, that being said, there's what, 73 games left? They have a lot of time. So there's, I don't, I don't sense panic. I sense, you know, there's a little bit of a weird vibe yesterday, but I never sensed panic. And now they have a lot of time with a good team to make some real gains. So the, there is a game tonight. Um, I know Charlie Montoya is the talking point. We'll continue talking about this. Uh, and again, Ross Atkins and John Schneider will speak at 3.30 today uh, down at Rogers Center. Ben, you'll be there. We'll have it for you on Sports at 590, The Fan. And if you're watching on Sports at 360 right now, uh, Tim and friends will have that as well. Uh, there is a game tonight. The Jays did win last night. Um, Ross Stripling on the hill tonight against Zach Wheeler. Uh, I know we only have you for another minute or so, but Ross Stripling, where he's at right now, what he's given you, do you like what is the confidence level right now that this Ross Stripling? I joked off the top about you know we can't do ten minutes on Ross Stripling's changeup, but we could do one minute on Ross Stripling's changeup. Um, ha- where is the confidence level in Ross Stripling right now, holding down this? Uh, what's become? You know, he's gone from number six to number four by attrition. Yeah, he's been great. He's been great. I mean, it's sixty-five, seventy innings already. His ERA, um, what is it like three-three? Like he's mm-hmm. he's been doing great. So. Um, yeah, he's, he's a really important pitcher for this team. And you saw the Phillies lineup last night. This is not a very good offensive team right now, you know, partly because of Harper, partly because of the uh, folks who decided not to get vaccinated, um, which is a topic for another day. But, um, you know, you've got a team that's very depleted. It's not a very good offensive team right now. So to me, Ross Stripling is capable of facing even some, some good offensive teams and, and getting results tonight. I think you can expect a good Five inning, allow a run or two. I mean, that's that's what he's done all year, and I fully expect that he can do that again tonight. And the the dawn of a new era, I guess, for the Blue Jays. The dawn of a new, the bullpen will be managed so much differently. Stripling's going to go seven. Vlad's going to hit three home runs. Uh, it's a new day. Yes, it is. Uh, ben Nicholson Smith, thanks so much for taking the time out, man. Uh, enjoy the chaos that'll be around before the game tonight. I will do my best. Thanks, Blake. Ben Nicholson-Smith, uh, he, Arden Zwelling, and Shai Davidi will continue to have more for you at sportsnet.ca throughout the day. I'm sure Ben and Arden will have uh, an At The Letters podcast for you sometime soon. Shai's going to join us uh, in a little bit. He's coming on with us at 3 o'clock. You might have just heard him on Blair and Barker. He's the, the busiest man in the city today uh, because, yeah, I mean, he's got to report that stuff out. He's got to get us all the details. He's got to come on with Blair and Barker, come on with us before... We get to shy, though. Uh, after the break, we're going to talk to Keegan Matheson of MLB.com. We're going to talk to 
Drew Fairservice of the Spin Rate Podcast. Get a couple different perspectives on the Montoyo for Schneider move, what to expect from here. And did Montoyo get a fair shake in terms of evaluating manager performance? Did he maybe get too long a leash because everyone likes him so much as a person? Uh, Is it a sign when someone asks, hey, is he a good manager? And everyone's first response is, he's just a tremendous dude. We've seen that in other sports in this city, uh, and a change helped. But it doesn't solve everything, um, as Ben Nicholson-Smith laid out for us there. A lot of this will flow from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and the top players on this team and what the front office does at the deadline. We'll hear from them at 3.30. Uh, but next, we've got Keegan Matheson and Drew Fairservice. Uh, on J- as Jay's Talk Plus continues on Sportsnet 360, sportsnet.ca, and Sportsnet 590, the fan. Everything you need to know about the Blue Jays, Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Jays Talk Plus on Sportsnet 360, Sportsnet.ca, and Sportsnet 590, the fan. We're with you here till three o'clock on the TV side before we kick it to Tim and friends. We'll continue on until five on Sportsnet 590, the fan. A reminder, Ross Atkins and John Schneider will speak to media at 3.30. Whether you're on radio or TV or .ca, we'll have that covered for you. Uh, So stick around for that. The big news item of the day, of course, that the Toronto Maple Leafs signed Ilya Samsonov to address their second goalie position. Uh, And the Toronto Blue Jays have let manager Charlie Montoyo go. John Schneider will step into that role for the remainder of the season, possibly even longer, to help us put the finger on the vibes pulse of MLB.com. Keegan Matheson. Keegan, how are you, man? I'm doing well. Are we doing vibes of Samsonov or Montoyo here? Let me get set. Absolutely Montoyo. I, uh, <laughs> I, I don't have a, I certainly like the Samsonov move better than the Matt Murray one. I'll, that's, that's about as far as I know about that one. <laughs> I just learned his name right now. So I'm sure uh, coming to Toronto, he'll do just fine. Yeah. You, you'd have to think so. Not that team's not cursed at all. Uh, speaking of curses, <laughs> it felt that way for the Blue Jays on that one and nine yeah. stretch to the extent that I'm texting with friends yesterday about, you know, just what exactly could go wrong. And my friend Emily and I got to, uh, you know, this game's going to end on a batting glove splits on a check swing. The bat flies out of the batter's hands, knocks out an umpire, but the umpire lands with the out signal for the final out of the game. Uh, it's uh, It's been that kind of stretch, and the Jays clearly felt the need to make a move. Is there any level of shock for you that, whether timing or, or otherwise, but, but say between now and uh, the trade deadline, that Charlie Montoyo is no longer the manager of the Blue Jays? I won't call the move terribly surprising, but the timing did surprise me today uh, a bit. I thought it may have taken a few more losses or taken until the all-star break. Uh, I was not expecting it to come today. Uh, but, of course, when you are coming off of a, a run like the Blue Jays have had, that one and nine stretch, a rough road trip, that wild card race is looking way tighter now, which it was not two weeks ago. That's obviously when you start to think about this, when you start to wonder, is a manager move coming? And, That is always first. It's always one of the first things to come. And I I think 
on days like this, I, I always think it's important to say what I say when I'm voting on manager of the year, which is that figuring out the value of a manager is next to impossible. And now there are moves that we see obvious that work out or don't. When a manager pinch hits somebody late and Charlie rolls in Alejandro Kirk and he singles to start a rally, looks brilliant. When a bullpen move goes wrong, looks the complete opposite. But being able to figure out what goes on behind the scenes, whose idea is whose, has become a uh, doctoral level issue in MLB. So very difficult to get into that. But I think certainly the, uh, the timing today, it, it did surprise me today, but you understand why for a struggling team that has World Series aspirations. Yeah, you, the shared bl- blame and shared credit is why, you know, as that one and nine stretch continued on, you know, you started to get the feeling that something would change. But there was a small part of me, at least, that was like, well, maybe they wait until the offseason because, you know, I, we just talked to um, Ben Nicholson-Smith, and he said that a lot of things tactically already have John Schneider's fingerprints on it. And we've talked to you and a lot of people around the team that say, you know, the front office has their fingerprints on some of the day-to-day managerial choices. And uh, the coaching staff line goes all the way down the foul line now. So <laughs> with all of that acknowledged, what is the change that this team is looking for now between Charlie Montoyo and John Schneider? A lot of a managerial change can be about sending a message. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and speaking of things that are difficult to measure, that is right up there with the rest of it. But in terms of a, a change at the top, having a new voice, a lot of this, and this goes for any sport, we're not just talking baseball here, but for players to look around and see, okay, someone just lost their job. You know, someone just lost their dream job. They have worked their career to get in Charlie Montoyo. That's going to wake up a room. Now, ideally, that room is already awake, but it's certainly going to send a message to this team. And having John Schneider in there is a great fit for this team. Now, looking back through his single-A, double-A managing, you see a lot of these names on his rosters. Vladdy, Bo, Kevin Biggio, Lourdes Gurriel. Very familiar, and like Ben told you earlier, his fingerprints are all over this team. He's a very involved bench coach, now manager, and certainly uh, someone who has experience and has the talent to lead a group of young men. So Schneider should fit into that role uh, very naturally, I believe, and it's worth noting as well, he's a guy who is held in pretty high regard around this league. He's a, a name who you were going to start hearing for manager vacancies if it hasn't been out there already, a very highly regarded there's also the element of, you know, I, I, I don't want to say that the Jays were necessarily grooming him for this role. And when he was ready, Charlie Montoya would be moved off like that. The evidence is not there. They gave him a contract extension. And yeah, it was not a huge extension, but they gave him an extension this past offseason with a couple team options. So um, maybe they didn't feel this was imminent. But Schneider's been in the organization since, um, you know, 2008, I want to say. So, you know, you're talking 14, 15 years since he was less than 30 years old and just at a baseball. So this is a guy that, you know, you've been readying for an opportunity like this. Do you think you mentioned that, you know, you go back through 2017 in high a 2018 in double a, where I was going to say they got rings, but they don't even, you know, baseball doesn't even give minor leaguers livable wages. uh, So I don't know that they give them championship rings, but how much will those relationships help? Because I think one of people's initial concerns with the Montoyo move may be, well, he's such a vibes guy. He's such a manager of personalities. He's so well-liked. Is Schneider capable of managing that aspect as well as he makes this transition from, let's be honest, it's easy to, it's a little bit easier 
to have good relationships with players when you're not the guy who the buck stops with? Do you, do you have a confidence level in Schneider making that transition to the big chair? Definitely. And, and that's a great point, Blake. When you are an assistant or a hitting coach or a bench coach, it's different than being the guy. Now, it's not that you can be the cool parent, but there's a little less responsibility. You know, there's less being asked of you. And when a guy is getting sent down, for example, it's not you delivering that message. When somebody is being benched, it's not usually you delivering that message. But I do believe in Schneider as a man capable of that, somebody who has done that before. And like Montoyo, although for fewer years, comes from a development background. So he understands these young players and it will definitely be a different style. Uh, I don't think that Schneider will be covering his mouth as much as Charlie might have when he was arguing calls. There is, there is some fire to John Schneider. Definitely. And you, uh, you have seen that plenty of times already as a bench coach, when he is fired up, you notice it on the field. You'll continue to notice that I think, but there are many different ways to connect with players. And I think especially today in, in 2022 with young players, this is different than 1980, 1990 in terms of how you are connecting on a human level with players. It takes different ways. And I, I think a good manager can do it in all ways. He, he can get to the more closed off players, can get to the more open players, can get to players from different backgrounds. It's very important. And Schneider's experience there, I think, will be key going down the stretch because this is not your traditional manager firing early in the year with a bad team having a bad year. This team is so talented. Haven't shown it lately, but they are so stacked up with talent, and they need to win right now. So that's pressure, and I think that speaks to the belief the Blue Jays have in Schneider, that they're handing this to him right now at this point. Big time. You mentioned the fire. Uh, Is that you predicting that in John Schneider's first game, uh, he will get tossed and Casey Kendall will be the the manager uh, the rest of the way tonight? (laughs) You know what? I've been waiting for that moment. Uh, Louis Rivera, the third base coach, likes to call me Schneider because he thinks we look the same. I guess we're, we're both two big men with a bit of a beard. Yeah, but, I take that uh, as a compliment, Keegan. I think it's fantastic. And, and of course, I'm sure John Schneider takes it as a great compliment himself. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, if that happens, I can fill in. But yeah. uh, having Casey Kandel, I should mention him as well, up on the staff from AAA. This guy is beloved throughout the organization with players, with the front office. So a, a nice addition there coming up from AAA Buffalo managing to join the staff just like Devon White is up here now as well after Mark Budzinski is away from the team. So a couple of uh, interesting new faces in that dugout. Yeah, new new voices for you guys to to get perspective from for stories and, and new stories to chase. Casey Kendall, like Devon White, has uh, a lot of them. So let's let's zoom out a little bit. The Jays here, there have not been very many scenarios like this in the last 30 years of baseball. And this is per Chris Black of... Uh, sports that he's, he produces the TV broadcast. He comes on with us fairly often uh, in the last 30 years, managers with a record above 500 in the second half of the season had only been fired four times before this. Um, two of them were like at the very, very end of the season. And the only recent one that's comparable really is Mike Matheny in St. Louis in 2018. They ended up just missing the playoffs, even though they really turned things around with the 41 and 28 push. Uh, The Jays are in a playoff spot as of right now, half game up. What would you like? This obviously signals that four games above 500 is not meeting expectations. The Ross Atkins will talk in a little bit here and we still have the trade deadline ahead. 
what is the urgency level right now? Obviously, you don't change the manager when things are going well, but are, do you think that this front office is feeling the same kind of urgency that the fan base seemed to be feeling during that losing streak? I think they are starting to, and no front office is going to come out and say, hey, we feel the heat. It is hot in here. We're making moves. You're not going to hear that messaging a lot. We're ready to overpay. Exactly. But they live in reality. We all have to live in reality. I'm looking at the wild card standings here right now in the Baltimore Orioles. The Orioles of Baltimore are two games back of the Blue Jays. That does not make sense. That does not work. The their Blue Jays have several players whose salary is close to the Orioles' salary as a team. So the talent here needs to be doing more. Now, we've seen plenty of reasons for this. It's depth issues with the starting rotation. The bullpen has had some issues. The lineup having some issues of its own. Those have been overshadowed, but just as prominent. There's too much talent here to be sitting at 46 and 42, which... That's a bit of a good problem. I don't even think good problem is the right word, but you would rather be 46 and 42 and underachieving because there's room to improve on this and have this talent click. A team like the Orioles, for example, maybe they're overachieving at this point, a little ahead of schedule. But, man, this talent has to work for the Blue Jays because this roster is built how they've always envisioned, a young core with major veteran pieces added, with Springer, Gossman, Barrios, on and on. This was the idea the whole time. Most teams don't get to pull off their idea. The Blue Jays have, but it still needs to work. That's the tough part. So there needs to be urgency because these opportunities are rare. Frankly, pairing a young core with veteran talent early in free agent deals is a really rare opportunity. You know, the word rebuild sounds simple, but Blake, we've seen in multiple sports how teams get stuck in a rebuild for 15 years. and It never ends. So urgency needs to be at the forefront here for the next couple of years because these windows do not stay open forever. They don't. And when you don't take advantage of those windows, those teams that have been in rebuilds forever that you mentioned uh, end up half a game and two games behind you in the wild card yep. race. I guess Baltimore, it hasn't been been that dire for that long, but Seattle is uh, is hungry for that spot. Keegan Matheson, John Schneider impersonator. Um, <laughs> I got to get down there. We need Pete Walker to get tattoos because the, the, I feel like if you got, if I got a Pete Walker comp, that would be like the the highest you can get around the Blue Jays, probably because those arms. Um, but you you keep on doing good work. You keep on looking like John Schneider, I guess. Uh, thanks for taking the time out, buddy. I will try. Appreciate you, Blake. Take care. Keegan Matheson of MLB.com. Show he'll have a lot more for you on Jays.com uh, as the day unfolds, as tonight unfolds, as we get reaction from players. Uh, again, Ross Atkins coming up at 3.30, followed by John Schneider. We'll have that for you here on Sportsnet 360 if you're watching on TV. Um, Tim and friends will have that for you. Sportsnet.ca will have it, and we'll have it for you on Sportsnet 590, The Fan, when Jays Talk Plus continues only on the radio. We need more perspective on the Charlie Montoyo thing, and it's going to be interesting to look back to this exact same point in the 2015 season and the decision not to change the manager in a very similar spot to help us, uh, a man who is synonymous with that 2015 season, uh, Drew Fairservice of the Spin Ray Podcast. How are you, buddy? I am doing so very well, although it's a bit of a weird day, obviously. It sure is. Uh, also weird, like you're just, uh, we joked that you were the spot starter last week when you came on because no one else had phone service or internet. Uh, and now we're tagging you in because Charlie Montoyo has been let go. You're the, 
you're the fireman, man. You're coming in any situation. Bases loaded, you're in. Uh, so thanks for taking the time out. But your your initial reaction to the news that Charlie Montoya is no longer the manager of the Toronto Blue Jays? I was really surprised. Uh, I There were a lot of calls for it, and there were some people who were saying it more loudly than others. Um, to me, it seemed like a you know, like a not not the right move necessarily. I think that if you didn't think that Charlie Montoya was the guy for the job uh, after what you saw in 2021, then maybe the offseason was the time to do it. But, you know, you got there's only so many levers, I guess, they could pull short of, you know, blowing their brains out and going crazy at the trade deadline. So, um, you know, uh, as now as the sort of the knives are out and it's like, oh, he lost the team. No, there were rumblings in the clubhouse. Um, maybe that stuff starts to make a bit more sense. But, I'm still I'm still surprised, given that they had uh, they had ridden him in, they had given him all you know the contract with all these option years and stuff. So it's uh, it's interesting to see the way that the tide has turned against uh, Montoya, or how the perceived tide has turned against Montoya. So this was a different front office, but in 2015, the Jays were at 500 around this point, and there were of course calls to move off of John Gibbons. They didn't do that. Um, you know, John Gibbons has a very fascinating history here and relationship with the city. Um, in a similar way to, I think if Charlie Montoya spent longer here, uh, he might have as well, but, um, Gibbons was looked at as a bit of a player's manager as well. And in a different clubhouse environment where there were a lot of veteran guys being brought in, there were a lot of guys who knew how to do their work, who knew what the opportunity there was. What do you make of what this signals about the front office's judgment of the core and their readiness to compete, but maybe their need to be pushed a little bit. I think that that is kind of the crux of the situation where are, are we dealing now with the, the front office saying, okay, maybe some of them came to Charlie or came to them and said, or, or they were kind of t- taking the temperature of the room and realizing that, that he had maybe lost some support in the clubhouse. Well, if this is what you want and this is what you've got. And, you know, in hindsight, there was so much talk about uh, basically like Charlie Montoya was the vibes guy, right? He was there to like keep the vibes good, keep everyone going positive, keep heads up when things are challenging when you're a young player. Um, There was a lot, you know, rightly made about his ability to communicate with the player, communicate um, in Spanish, communicate in English, communicate their roles, communicate the sort of edicts that are coming down from the analytics team. But if that stuff sort of is done now, because A, they're, they're more seasoned, B, they've been around the league a bunch of times, um, so there isn't that need for what is at the risk of, well, which is an insulting term to say that Charlie Montoya was there to be the babysitter, and now it's time for like the grown-up manager. Um, I don't think that's accurate, but I think that there is a potential that they said and thought, okay, well, the reasons that we had him in here before are not relevant, or the plus, the the advantages and the pluses of his ability to do those different things are now being outweighed by general un- underperformance, general discontent within the clubhouse, and also maybe the, the tactical uh, errors that are more glaring when you are a team that's trying to win the world, win the world series and you're really scuffling, you're not able to, to put a, a winning streak together and you're coming off a, a play, uh, a stretch of truly uninspired, like ugly baseball. So I think maybe it, it might just be that the, the, the negatives have now come to outweigh the positives given the situation. So Drew, not to age ourselves here, but we both started in the blog game in kind of what I'll call the fire Joe Morgan era, where one of the lowest hanging fruits and one of the, you know, most, most uh, radical things you could do 
in creating independent online content was rip a manager and rip a manager's decisions. Here in 2022, it gets a lot harder to do that, not only because teams have gotten smarter and kind of plucked some of the low-hanging fruit, but because it's also very, very difficult to assign credit and blame with the way front offices and coaching staffs are structured. Having said that, when you look at Charlie Montoyo's performance as a manager, is there an area that stuck out to you as, man, I'd like to see a different approach or a different philosophy there? Whether, and, and you know, let's set aside whether it's fair to put that on Montoyo or, or it's a group thing, but is there something that stuck out to you? I mean, there, there was this great love of bunt, and there was his, the, the way that he maybe um, used pinch hitters and pinch runners, that, that sort of stuff that, again, is, is all the remaining low-hanging fruit because the game has changed so much in whatever 15 years where, you know, we don't see pitchers or managers making egregious choices and managing to the save stat quite so much or, or, or misaligning their batting order. Uh, you know, John Gibbons that we, we've already spoken about, he was a guy who was really progressive in the way that he, he, he managed uh, his lineup. He, John, we will remember Josh Donaldson hitting leadoff, Jose Bautista hitting leadoff, hitting second, all those sorts of things. So I think that with Montoyo, it was, it was those sorts of choices. For me, it was, you know, early on, he would, he would repeatedly pinch run for Vlad Jr. Now, again, we're, we're only seeing the snapshot when maybe there's a longer story that's happening behind the scenes. Are they pinch running? Were they pinch running for Vlad Jr. when he was a rookie because they were trying to send a message about his conditioning? Entirely possible. You know, some of the, the, the choices to, to pinch hit or, you know, there was a, I can't even remember it offhand, earlier this season, there was just a, a really questionable, a really odd choice in terms of who got to hit and when. And, and, and if those moves aren't aligned with what the front office um, is, has expecting, if those moves, uh, which obviously didn't, or didn't necessarily work out, if, if they're having, again, impacts that are costing the team games, those are the sorts of things that you can measure. But I think that so much of it is, is behind the scenes, and, and, and so much of it is, is, that, is that black box of what, of what a manager does. And, uh, you know, sometimes I like to refer to the difference in pay for, for, for managers compared to players and what that means in terms of, in terms of wins or if, if we are to imagine the managerial market is fluid and, and, and logical enough that guys are paid in according to their, the difference that they can make. So, um, you know, the, the, you know, sometimes you think, I think back a couple of weeks ago when there was that they had used, uh, they had used Trent Thornton in a, in a later inning situation when they all needed him to do was get some outs against the bottom of an order and he couldn't do it. So did that fall at the manager's feet? No, that falls at the, at the well, the player needs to do the job, and then the, the front office needs to give them better options than Trent Thornton in the eighth inning or whatever that, that particular situation was. So I, I don't know that there's anything particularly egregious. I think this year, by in, in a lot of ways, was better than the past couple of years where there weren't as many that stick out. There weren't as many weird bunts and weird pinch hitting situations. There are all questionable uh, pitcher changes. But uh, uh, that's, those are the sorts of things that I guess the front office has a bit of a better uh, pulse of. So you know, at the, the risk of of um, appealing to authority, I, I, I just guess that there, there is something more to just the fact that their they're one loss record that has fueled this, choice, this decision by the front office. It has to be. And I, I love the way you paint that with the salary thing where Charlie Montoyo's contract, uh, the extension was reported to pay him $1.75 million with up to double that in incentives around team performance. And yeah, Jose Barrios makes more than 10 times that. Um, Yusei Kikuchi makes 10 times that this year. Uh, that kind of 
you know, that's that's a market thing, but that's also uh, potentially an impact thing. Uh, so, Drew, let's let's play out the scenario. And this is a different way of coming at that same question that I that I just asked you. But this is one we can kind of ascribe to the entire front office or, or group of coaches. Ross Atkins calls you in an hour here. They do that press conference. John Schneider no shows. And he says, I, I don't want the job. And Ross Atkins is like, I'm going to hire Drew Fair Service instead then. What? Are the what are the kind of things you would be and you have autonomy, you have strategic or tactical autonomy uh, in this case. What are some of the things you would hope are changing in addition to the managerial change? Uh, well, first of all, I would say thank you, Ross. I'm forgetting all my cards and letters where I have auditioned and, and, and applied to be the manager time <laughs> and time again. Uh, I, I, I mean, again, what, what are the things that are within his control at this point? Mm-hmm. You, we can complain about the way that the bullpen is run, and but but he he uses Adam Simber when the situation presents itself. He uses um, he uses uh, uh, Jimmy Garcia now as his like high leverage bridge to to Jordan Jordan Romano. Um, I think that maybe you could start to tool tool around with the batting order a mm-hmm. little bit. That's always that's like an easy, obvious, you know, unambiguous thing you can do. You know, in my world, I Vladimir Guerrero Jr. would hit second. Um, and you know, I would move Bo to third or to fifth or somewhere else like that. Maybe you could even move. Uh, you know, the way that Guriel sort of refined his approach and become a bit of a different guy at the plate. Maybe you can move him into a, into a different spot, but, but at the end of the day, that's really what it is. And, and so much of, so much of what we see now with the plan days off and when guys are sitting, you know, it seems like it's out of the manager's hands. So the only thing I would, I would say would be, uh, I don't know, keep having fun. I think that that's, that there's a bit of that. That's one of the big frictions I see. You see that with, with people that I engage with and interact with on Twitter. There's, a, there's an overwhelming sense of like people are think the team's unserious. They think the guys aren't working hard enough. They're not studying and they need, maybe they're looking for more of a taskmaster, which is Johnson and I are going to be that. I don't know. His vibe is that he's big. And as you were just describing Keegan ask, <laughs> but, uh, but I don't, but I don't think that that's who he is. I, and I don't think he would have gotten to this position if he was some kind of like strict uh, whip cracking taskmaster so that does, that feels very much out of step with what the with the Blue Jays front office has prized and valued and 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 spoken about highly over the years. So so maybe that would be it. I'd be like uh, maybe no more jacket. I don't <laughs> know. Maybe no more. Maybe maybe don't, maybe don't do the Gatorade back when you won one game in ten. Like maybe maybe that's a that's that's the sort of thing I would suggest. But uh, but that doesn't matter. Those things don't matter. That's yeah. not going to make the team win. If they don't, if if I say don't have fun and they're like okay. Are they going to be better? Probably not. I'm going to get fired before August if I if I go in there guns blazing and try to change the way that you know that that these, these men are and how they've been selected in a lot of ways for those very qualities and traits. Uh, quickly, Drew, before we let you go here, this feels at least in part related to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And I'm certainly not suggesting he's a, a coach killer or anything like that. But there was a visible frustration yesterday. He is in what you could. Given where his baseline is, you could call this a a bit of an extended slump, and it's been an up-and-down season for him. How do you think that this effect nets out for Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who, by all accounts, has a good relationship with Charlie Montoyo, but has also come up through the system with John Schneider? I think that uh, sort of goes back to what we spoke about a little bit earlier, which is you know, this is what you wanted. If the players are griping and complaining mm-hmm. to the to the general manager or complaining to the bench coach, like, "Yo, Charlie, what what are we doing here? You're blowing it." Uh, well, here you go. You know, Vlad. You know, you're not a kid anymore. You are very famous and very successful, and you, you're getting tons of votes in the All Star game. And 
uh, you know, play like you can, uh, which again, sort of runs in the face of how I have come to understand baseball. It's not for a lack of effort, not for a lack of preparation, but at the same time, um, what was, what was uh, Josh Donaldson's quote all those years back? Like it's not the try hard business, it's the get stuff done business. And that's what Vlad in particular needs to do, needs to produce. Um, That'll shut everybody up. That will keep everybody happy. Um, if Vlad is able to, to, to get back to the level at which he typically performed um, and can put, you know, at the risk of sounding cliche, like put the offense on his back and off he goes. But this is the time for Vlad to uh, to get hot. If, if he has control over such things, now is the time to do it. Yeah, and uh, the to use another quote from that era, if he's unhappy about it, if you don't like it, Drew, pitch better. Mm-hmm. Uh, or in mm-hmm. his case, hit better. Drew Fair Service. Nobody pinch hits better for us on this show on Jays Talk Plus than you. Uh, and an emergency episode of the Spin Rate Podcast already up with you and Caitlin. Uh, thanks for taking out the time, man. Keep up all the great work. My pleasure. Thank you. And uh, don't tell my boss. <laughs> uh, Drew Fair Service of the Spin Rate Podcast. Uh, you didn't just hear him on here, Drew's boss. Uh, and he certainly didn't release an emergency podcast about the Blue Jays letting Charlie Montoyo go. Uh, We're just about wrapped up with you here on Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet.ca. Tim and friends coming up for you there. And again, Ross Atkins and John Schneider will speak around 3.30. We'll have that for you on Sportsnet 360. We'll have that for you on Sportsnet.ca. I'm continuing just on the radio side for the next two hours on Sportsnet 590. The fan we will have that Atkins and Schneider audio for you around 3.30 there as well. If you're listening on the radio, we got Shai Davidi on the other side. Otherwise, you're about to get Tim and friends. I've been Blake Murphy. This is Jay's Talk Plus. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with J.D., Blake, and English. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, or welcome back to Jay's Talk Plus. I'm Blake Murphy. We're with you through 5 o'clock on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. You just got the little TV and .ca rub the last hour too, but we kicked that over to Tim and friends. In a little bit here, Ross Atkins and John Schneider are going to address the media. We'll have that for you. Uh, But first, we'll tag in of Sportsnet.ca and the Sportsnet Blue Jays broadcast. Shy Davidi. Shy, thanks so much for taking the time out. Yeah, no problem. What's going on? <laughs> a lot, apparently. Uh, I guess my first question for you, my big one is, how long has this been going on? Um, what's what's the timeline like here from, you know, turning the pot on to, to this Charlie move being fully brewed? You know, it's an interesting question because you kind of felt things were getting towards a boiling point at the end of that road trip in Seattle where, you know, the pressure was really mounting. A lot of the frustration was really mounting. And, you know, I don't, I don't know that necessarily was imminent at that point, but it started getting to the stage where you're like, yeah, this is, this is really possible right now. And, you know, I wonder you know, from a timing perspective, obviously Monday was a day of organizational mourning and of being there to support Mark Budzinski at his daughter's funeral. That was the obvious priority that day. And, you know, I, I thought to myself, what maybe, you know, plays out through to the all-star break 
and you know it gives everybody a bit of a bit of a breather gives uh the interim manager time to reset and prepare and and all that stuff uh but uh, i i guess it got to the point where you know the the urgency just had to be done something had to be done at this point uh you know before before things boiled over so shy the before things boiled over is, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe one and nine and falling out of a playoff spot was boiling over. But um, so making this move now from a more tangible aspect, obviously they would like the record to be better. What is it this front office thinks John Schneider is better equipped to do than uh, what Charlie Montoya was doing? That, that's that's the million dollar question. And whether it's, because I, I don't think that this team's going to suddenly be run in a drastically different fashion, or all of a sudden we're going to see this dramatically different lineup and sort of this massive juggling of roles. I don't think that's going to happen. You know, in, in a lot of ways, the coaching staff has been executing a plan that's been built in collaboration with the front office. So, you know, to think they're going to take this, you know, 180 degree turn or, or something like that, you know, I, I don't see that being likely you know my guess is that this is about just feel and you know trying to clean up some of the lapses that you see from this team where you know that they for i think that there probably be wide agreement that last year even when at 91 wins the blue jays left far too many wins on the table mm-hmm. Now at this point, you know, 46 and 42, uh, you know, after a one and nine stretch, again, they're leaving too many wins on the table. And, you know, sometimes it's the opposition beating you. And sometimes it's a little bit of attention to detail where, you know, it's one hit or it's one pitch and, and all of a sudden, you know, you're not in this spot. So, you know, I wonder if it's about that a little bit more. And, you know, that's not necessarily on the manager, but maybe that shakes everybody to attention a little bit more uh, and, you know, creates a little bit more focus on some of those details that may have gotten lost a little bit. Um, Not off to a great start. John Schneider hasn't even coached a game yet, and the Jays have already lost half a game and fallen out of the playoff spot as the Mariners just wrapped up uh, a game against the Nationals. Um, So... I I tend to be with you, Shai. I think this is, you know, John Schneider may very well end up a a very good manager. It certainly seems they've been uh, at least considering him a a potential future fit for that role, given his longevity throughout the organization. Uh, But this seems like more of a signal to the guys in that room. Now, from a front office perspective, it had to be a tough decision, I think, because if you're Ross Atkins, and I know Atkins and Shapiro are kind of connected, not kind of connected, they're very connected, but generally, if you're the GM, you only get to make this move once, really. You get you can let go of the guy who was there before, and then you bring in your own guy. And if that doesn't work out, you probably only get to use that bullet once. Do you think that there is an element of pressure or urgency in this front office now, not just because of this move, but because of what it signals about where this franchise is versus expectations? You know, it has to be because... You know, even take a step back relative to that. I mean, this is year two of the competitive window, and you can't let this one slip away, you know, after finishing a game short of the playoffs last year because, you know, the clock is ticking on Bo Bichette and on Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And, you know, whether, you know, they can certainly both be signed to extensions, but, you know, as things stand, 
you know, there's a, there's an end point with both those players. And if you're not going to leverage each of their best seasons, uh, then, you know, that's an utter waste. And we've seen that. We, we've seen that in this franchise with Carlos Delgado and Roy Halladay and Vernon Wells. And, you know, you know, to have players of that quality and not be able to get to the postseason with them, you know, that's, that's unacceptable. And that that's something that the Blue Jays have to be very cautious against with this group. But, you know, just further to your point, you know, when a manager gets fired, it's not just the manager, right? That's always, it's a collective failure, which is what this has been. And the Blue Jays had enough conviction in Charlie Montoyo to extend him back in spring training. Was that, you know, three, four months ago, that's, uh, you know, to, to, to for the evaluation to change that drastically in such a short period of time you know either a mistake was made when that extension was handed out and a change needed to be made then uh or you know a a set of assumptions about this season uh have been very widely missed so you know i think because of all those factors yeah there is a lot of urgency there it is reflective of the moment uh and from a bigger picture perspective it's reflective of needing to capitalize on the situation that they went through a lot of pain to build and, you know, put themselves in position to have a a good window. The other part of Charlie having been this front office's guy and their choice that sits with me is that part of the draw and, and certainly everyone loves Charlie as a person and he's a baseball lifer. And so I don't mean this to, to undercut his ability as a manager coming in, but part of the thinking at least it sounded like was, well, this guy can be a reflection of the front office. He'll take feedback from the analytics staff. He'll have a larger coaching staff. When you're Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro and you look at the fact that, well, your guy didn't work out after a short amount of time, 500 record, 236, 236. Uh, This season isn't as going as well as you'd like. Do you think that this front office takes a moment to kind of reevaluate what their process is in terms of day-to-day stuff on the field or, you know, bigger picture, how they settled on Charlie Montoyo in the manager's chair, because they're going to have to do that search again this offseason unless John Schneider just blows everyone away. Um, I guess, sorry, to, to be more succinct with that, Montoyo was an extension of the front office. If things didn't work with him, does the front office need to reevaluate some of their own process as well? I mean, I would hope that whether or not a decision went well or not, that those processes are always getting reevaluated, uh, regardless of outcome, because there's always an opportunity to to identify areas that could have been better or things that you may have missed. Uh, you know, I think, you know, I, I, I typically teams like, for instance, with the draft, teams typically review each draft, good or bad, and just try to identify spots where they might have been uh, been able to, to be a bit more effective. So, you know, I think with something as critical as a manager, um, you absolutely need to. But, you know, the, the thing that I keep sticking to or coming back to is that, you know, this team, this front office is generally reluctant to fire people. Um, you know, they give, they give people long runways. They work with them. They try to support them. They do everything possible to try and set the, those people up for, for success. And why didn't it happen this time? And, and again, why did it not happen just a few months after an extension took place? 
So was something missed before that extension? Did, did someone misevaluate, um, you know, some feedback or issues that could or potential issues uh, that they didn't think uh, would end up being uh, being problematic that turned out that way? You know, I think all those things are on the table. And, you know, it, to me, it all just comes back. You know, last year, this team was less than the sum of its parts, even 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 if it finished with 91 wins. Uh, and, and there were more obvious bullpen issues with that club. When you have Joel Piamps and Anthony Castro and leverage, you know, you're, you're not setting yourself up for success. Um, and certainly part of the, the one and nine stretch was, you know, having, you know, Anthony Banda open up for Casey Lawrence and some of the other experimentation that went on in, in the rotation of, to, to fill holes. Uh, but at the same time, you know, this, this team should be better than what it is right now. You know, they, they've got enough pieces, even with the injuries, even with Kikuchi struggling, even with all those factors, they should be better than where, than where they are. And they're not. And that's, you know, where the reasons for that, getting to the heart of that is essential for this club. Shai, uh, I know we only have a couple minutes with you before you have to hit this press conference. Um, John Schneider, it feels like we've gotten to know him a little better than you usually get to know an assistant coach. And part of that he's, is he's been in the organization uh, for a very long time. He's lasted four general managers now. What can you tell us about the Jays thinking in not only putting him in that spot, but about what the last few years have been like? And, you know, if this was, was this something that this front office saw as a potential option down the line, that they were grooming someone in-house who, if things went right, could be ready for that role. Well, in twenty uh, before twenty nineteen, when they hired Charlie Montoyo, you know he was one that they had considered, and at that point, they had was you know they felt that he just still needed a little bit more time and a little bit more development. And then he's he's had that right. You just think about the players that he's come up the chain with. Uh, you know, the, he's got some connections there. He's obviously had positive impacts uh, in terms of growth. And, you know, he's been a, a very active uh, bench coach. You know, you see him, you know, playing a, a very integral role in a lot of the decisions that, that are being made, in a lot of the strategies that are playing out. And because of that, you know, I, I do feel like the Blue Jays see a bit of continuity but coming from a different vantage point, if you know what I mean. So, you know, this isn't a 180 turn, but it is a change and perhaps a potentially impactful one because some of the cachet that he carries. You know, I also, I also, based on conversations I've had, believe, you know, Casey Kandel has a chance to be very impactful too, uh, as you know, bringing a, a lot of been there, done that and life perspective uh, to a coaching staff, to a clubhouse that, you know, maybe has that in a little too short supply or has had it in too short a supply. And, you know, he's, you know, when you're the AAA manager and you deal with a lot of things that he's had to deal with, uh, including Buffalo's, you know, moves to Trenton and then back to Buffalo last year and, you know, the personality clashes and the, everybody thinking they're better than AAA and, and all those headaches, you, you know, he's going to, to be as popular as he is, says a lot about, you know, his people skills uh, and the respect that people have for him. So, you know, I think that presence is uh, is going to be an interesting ingredient for this team and, you know, one that, you know, I think people felt might be, might have been needed.
maybe he can bring some pitching depth with him on his way uh, as well. And that's the, that's the big question that follows. We're going to get Ross Atkins here in a little bit, uh, but you let the manager go. That's certainly a signal to your clubhouse. It's also a signal that things aren't living up to expectations between now and August 2nd. There will probably be other moves made. Shai Davidi, I look forward to you breaking those moves down, you coming back on with us. Really appreciate you taking the time out on such a busy day. Yeah, no problem, Blake. Shai Davidi, sportsnet.ca, Sportsnet Blue Jays broadcast. Keep an eye out for all his uh, updates throughout the day. I'm sure Shai and Ben and Arden and Arash and Hazel will be uh, full force on getting you player reaction, reaction from other coaches down on the field when that broadcast starts. Uh, a reminder that in about 15 minutes here, we're going to hear from Ross Atkins and hear from John Schneider uh, down at Rogers Center. We'll bring you that audio live here. Uh, until then, we're taking some of your texts. You can text in to 590 Let us know your thoughts on this move from the Jays, what you're looking forward to with John Schneider. A question I threw at Drew is, you get the manager chair tonight. What's the the first thing you're trying to tweak? We'll have to set aside that, you know, those aren't unilateral decisions in modern MLB times. But I want to hear it anyway. What's the, you know, whether it was something you you didn't appreciate about Montoyo's approach or this front office's approach in the day-to-day, or it's something that, you as uh you know you're in the manager chair for the rest of the show uh let us know at 590 590 uh what those tweaks are there's also a game tonight um which we can tee up a little bit it's ross stripling against zach wheeler not many guys pitching better than zach wheeler right now we'll tee that up a little closer to five o'clock but we have a toronto blue jays lineup for you george springer bobachette vladimir guerrero jr alejandro kirk in the cleanup spot, catching Ross Stripling. Tasker Hernandez, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. gets the DH day, hitting sixth. Matt Chapman, Santiago Espinal, and Arimal Tapia, the lone lefty in there, playing left field. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how he does because, first of all, he's one of only a couple Blue Jays who have actually faced Zach Wheeler in the past. Zach Wheeler also has... Very interesting splits. He throws a very different mix to lefties. He's he's a right-handed pitcher, of course. Um, but he has been very, very good against lefties in his career. Um, I don't think you'd go so far as to call him a reverse splits guy. You'd just call him a no splits guy over the last couple of seasons. Uh, but Toppy has faced him before. Again, we'll tee up that matchup in more detail a little closer to but the Jays rolling out another uh, top lineup. Tapia and Jansen or Tapia and Biggio is the flip you'd maybe make if you were going for an optimal line, but this is something close to it. And Ross Stripling and his elite changeup are on the mound against Zach Wheeler. Could be a lower scoring one. Or the way the Jays are going lately, who knows? They're not scoring runs off bad pitchers. They're scoring runs off good pitchers and their starters are doing the same. Uh, so we'll see. Again, It'll be John Schneider's first game as the manager. And we're taking your text. How you feel about it? 590-590. We're going to take a break first, though. We'll come back and we'll do some of those texts. We'll wait for Ross Atkins and John Schneider to take the podium. And 
not only address the change, but I'm sure answer a lot of questions. Um, I'm not down there. Of course, I'm here with you on Jay's talk plus on sports at five ninety. the fan, but very curious to hear what kind of questions get asked of Ross Atkins. I tried to get inside Davidi's head a little bit um, about some of those because some of the things that I would like to hear an answer on are, okay, Charlie Montoyo, all, all the word was he was an extension of the front office and it was a collaborative approach to some of these day-to-day decisions. And if you're going to criticize the manager, maybe you need to reflect on your own process as a whole as well. Other questions would be, okay, you're clearly not happy with only being four games over 500. And as of a couple minutes ago, back out of a playoff spot because you don't have the tiebreaker against the Mariners and they just won in the first half of a doubleheader. What's coming? They're not going to come out and say, yeah, we're going we're gonna to try to trade for Jose Quintana or Chad Cool, whichever one of those guys is cheaper. And we're going to ask the Pirates if they'd move David Bednar, even though uh, he has a couple years of control left. They're not going to get that specific. But I do think Ross Atkins will be asked about what this team's level of aggression is going to be between now and August 2nd, what this team is looking to add and what they're willing to deal from. And if the change with Charlie Montoyo is intended to change the vibe in the clubhouse is more tactical or is just the start of several moves as the Jays look to not only get out of this stretch where they won yesterday, yes, but they've still only won two of the last 11, uh, but also get back up the standings. This was not a team that, like, the expectations this year were not to sneak into a playoff spot. They were to make the playoffs. And they were to be good. You won 91 games last year. You had the run differential of a something closer to a 97, 98, 99 even win team. And you could make the case that you got a little unfortunate. Was that misfortune caused in part by a managerial situation that couldn't get the most out of everything? Maybe. But some of that falls on the players too. And it's been the opposite case this year where the underlying metrics just aren't that good. This just hasn't been that great a baseball team. They've been fine. But the four games over 500 with a plus 10 run differential, we know that's a pretty good indicator of future performance, more so than, than record alone. And it just hasn't been there. 46 and 42, under five, six games under 500 against opponents that are 500 or better. You only take two against the Orioles, and then the Orioles get red hot. You get swept by the Mariners, who are right back in the playoff race now. Even the White Sox series, you kind of let them hang around the periphery and take away some potential trade partners who would otherwise be sellers. You can understand why the Jays felt the need to make a move. Ross Atkins will speak in a little bit here, and we'll... We'll find out if more moves are to come if we get a little insight on that. We're going to take a break. When we come back on Jay's Talk Plus, we'll continue to take your texts at 590-590, or you can tweet at me at Blake Murphy ODC if that's easier for you. And Ross Atkins and John Schneider will speak uh, in some order. We'll do those things next on Jay's Talk Plus on Sports at 590, The Fan. Breaking down everything in Leafsland better than anyone. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Jay's Talk Plus. Sports at 590 The Fan. I'm Blake Murphy. Charlie Montoyo, no longer the manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. John Schneider's in. 
We'll hear from Ross Atkins and John Schneider in a few minutes here. In the re- whoa, in the interim. Speaking of uh, interim managers, in the interim, uh, we've got your texts at five ninety. 590. There are a lot of them, so apologies if I don't get to yours. Tom from Revelstoke, I'll uh, condense it here a little bit because it's a long one. Um, his his issue seems to be um, there are so, there were a number of rookie mistakes. I I absolutely agree with that. There are some attention to detail things and some stuff that should be easy to clean up in a competitive environment. And you know that doesn't. Charlie Montoyo's not missing first base with his foot or, or anything like that, uh, to use a recent example. But the buck stops with someone. Um, his other, Tom's other issue is, you know, uh, a little bit too fun, maybe. Um, and he says things can be fun, but the focus has to be on winning. And a home run celebration went down 8-2. to two, uh, Lose <laughs> is, uh, it, it doesn't look great. So, um I understand that. And I do think that in talking to a few of our, our, our Jays people so far today, that's what this change is intended to signal. You can have fun, but you know what's really fun? Winning. Winning is fun, and you can have fun uh, when you're winning. Um, KM in Norfolk says the Jays are a fun team, but they desperately need a veteran presence on the team that's not afraid to call out younger players and show them the way, a la Albert Pujols. I don't know. I mean, this isn't this is a young team on the hitter side. It's a very veteran team on the pitcher side, and some longtime people on the coaching staff. Um, Kevin Barker and Jeff Blair made a great point earlier about some of the criticism of you know the choice to go to Charlie Montoyo for this position in general. Charlie's a baseball lifer. He's he grinded to get to that spot and had earned an opportunity. However, it turned out um, there's a level of experience there. There's a level of experience with John Schneider who came up with a lot of these guys, a level of experience with Pete Walker on and on. Um, but you do hear someone like shy say Casey Kendall could give a nice boost of been there, done that to the locker room. So KM, maybe you're getting that, but it's in the form of a new bench coach and not a player addition. Um, I think the Jays will probably focus on adding players they think can help in, in quantifiable ways on the field. If that person happens to be a little more veteran, so be it. Perry and Hamilton expresses something. I, I kind of asked shy a little bit. Perry says, this is also Ross Atkins buying himself time. Weak bullpen, two starters turning into projects. Uh, you bring in the next guy to buy a little more time. I don't know how much it's that, but I do think, you know, I, I think this in all sports, if you're a new GM, and he's not new at this point, but but at the time, you get kind of, you only get to make this move once. You can let go of the person you inherited. You can let go of your first hire. You probably don't get another one after that, though. So, it's uh I don't think you're wrong there. I don't know if it's about buying time, but I do think there's probably a feeling of urgency there because this team has underperformed. Edin Aurelia says when Anthopolis left and they brought Shapiro from Cleveland, uh, the thinking was you'd start to take a step back. Um, but now it's starting to show that they can't make a big deal when the chips are down. I think it's a little early for that, Ed. I've been a proponent on this show and elsewhere that 
teams in general are too slow to make moves because if you have a guy for four months, he helps you more than the two months you'd have him for. However, what we've heard from our insiders and national MLB insiders is that the trade market really hasn't established yet. There are too many teams in that fringy tier of they don't know if they're buying or selling or holding. And if you're a seller, why wouldn't you wait just a little bit longer to see if you can get a little more out of it? I don't think guys like Romo and Bonda are intended to do anything other than A, take a flyer and see if something clicks, but B, get you through to whenever that trade market materializes. Uh, The draft is this Sunday too, so I think most front offices are going to be fully in draft mode the rest of this week. You're probably looking at two weeks, a week and a half at least before the trade market starts to materialize. Then again, I thought that was the timeline for a manager shift, so maybe I don't know what the timeline truly is. Uh, Once again, this is JSOC Plus. We're going to kick it over to Roger Center momentarily here. Ross Atkins and then John Schneider will speak to the media. Um, Ross Atkins coming up to the podium right now. They've got the water bottle on his desk. Yeah, he's there. So uh, we're going to kick it over to that audio now. Ross Atkins live from Rogers Center. All right. Uh, Thanks for joining everyone. We're going to start with some opening comments here by General Manager Ross Atkins, and then we'll go into Q&A. Go ahead, Ross. Thank you, everyone, for being here. I just want to start by saying with uh, just how difficult of a decision this has been. I truly wanted this to work with Charlie and wasn't able to make that happen. I'm extremely disappointed uh, in where we are. I think we are better than how we have played. There's a lot of good individual things happen, and I think we can be playing better as a team. Having said that, this is a collective setback, and ultimately that starts with me. Uh, I'm the one that needs to be the most accountable for that, and I have a great deal of respect for Charlie Montoya. And when this team is winning, he is going to have been a huge part of that, and I will ensure that he knows that. But today, we we move forward uh, with John Schneider will be our interim manager, and Casey Candell will be joining the team as soon as he can get here as our interim bench coach. And with that, I'll turn it over to questions. All right, go ahead and raise your hands, and we'll get you the mic. We'll start with Gregor. Hey, Ross. Um, from the outside looking in, kind of seems like one of the reasons you guys haven't quite lived up to expectations is because the back end of the rotation has really struggled and the bullpen hasn't been good enough. Those things are largely out of control of the manager. Um, so I guess the question is, is why now? And if you just made the determination that Charlie is not the right guy to lead this team right now, why wasn't that decision made before the season? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a very tricky thing to talk about the specifics of exactly why now. Uh, ultimately, we made the decision Uh, in the last 24 hours with a lot of consideration. Pointing to the rotation and the bullpen, how I feel about that is good teams win. It's not necessarily good pitching and good bullpens. Uh, When you look at the history of the game, good teams win championships. Um, You know, again, the person to look to is is me. I'm the one that needs to be accountable and we will continue to work hard in every area of our team to improve it. Uh, Vladdy last night looked particularly frustrated uh, with the challenge call. Um, there's been some reports out there about um, how the players have felt. Do you feel like he, that Montoya lost the clubhouse? No.
Hey, Ross, by, by making this change, whether it's messaging or strategy, how do you expect the on-field product to change because of this? Again, a very, very difficult decision, one that uh, if, if I didn't feel it was necessary, it wouldn't have happened. Um, you know, it, we got to the point where, as I said, felt as though there's a lot of good individual things happening and we need to be playing better as a team. Uh, and I feel strongly that uh, we can and we will be. And I feel like this is one step that can help. And obviously, John Schneider has been in the organization a long time. You know him well. But what do you feel about him will make this move forward better? Yeah, John obviously has a lot of history of the organization. Has, not only has it been ingrained into our player development system with well-established relationships with our players and staff, he's also been integral into in-game preparation, in, or excuse me, pre-game preparation, in-game decision-making and communication, post-game decision-making and communication. So it's a natural step for us. Ross, uh, when Gregor asked about sort of the pitching, you said you didn't want to isolate one area. You mentioned good teams find ways to win. In what ways are you not seeing that team dynamic manifesting into success on the field? Yeah, I mean, listen, like it's a professional sports environment matters. Um, you know, the, the level of energy and positivity, all of that matters. Execution matters. Uh, deployment matters. Um, it, it's not one thing. And that all comes back to me. And, and ultimately, I'm the most accountable for that not going well. Um, and there are you know, it, as we proceed, we'll look to continue to improve upon that, and I will continue to look inward and in how I can improve upon that. Uh, but ultimately, I felt this decision will help us take a step in that direction. Go ahead, Russ. In your opening, you talked. You said you wanted this to work with Charlie. Yeah. Can you tell us anything about what didn't work? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, from the day that I met him, I had immediate connection. Uh, you know, I felt like I, I remember telling my family. I remember telling people I'm very close to. Um, you know, I felt like I grew up with him. You know, I felt like I. I, I had a very deep bond with him. And, you know, again, getting into the specifics uh, of that out of respect for Charlie is not something I'm going to do today. Uh, but, uh, again, I have the, the utmost respect for him as a man, uh, as a baseball leader. And when we're winning, he will have been a big part of that. Obviously, you're not where you, you want to be, perhaps. but. There is, it's a bit unusual to hear a GM say you're extremely disappointed when you're over 500, right on the cusp of a yeah. playoff spot. Can Thanks you, for pointing that out. Well, where, can you kind of you know, close that off for me? Where's the sort of connection there? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we're just not playing to our potential. Um, you know, and, and I see some small opportunities to help that, and this was one of them. So I, I, I see a lot of individual things that are positive and some individual areas where we can improve, uh, but ultimately moving that forward collectively um, is this was one of the things that I felt that we can do as we continue to look to other opportunities to play better as a team and play to our full potential. How, how troubling is it to watch this collection of athletes be as unfocused as they've been this season? Yeah, it's not what I've seen. I, I haven't seen a lack of focus. I just met with the players, and that's one of the things that I uh, was easy for me to say how proud I am of them individually, uh, but felt that we could play better as a team. Uh, I, I haven't seen 
a lack of focus there have been blips, sure, uh, but actually I see a really, really significant um, level of preparation and a, little, a level of care. Then why do you think a team with this much talent is where they are right now? Never mind, the only reason you're in the playoffs is because yeah. they added one more team. I mean, if, if I had the, the, the one sentence or one word answer to that, you know, I, you know, I think that something would have occurred. It's not as simple um, as saying why we are here today. This is one thing that we can do um, that I feel will help take a step forward. Um, that's why we are here today. Hey, Ross, um, how, how significant is the frustration level uh, in the clubhouse right now? And, and from your experience, how much can you tie that to a manager and a, and a, and a coaching staff? Yeah, I mean, it, I, I, don't, I don't think it's at a, at a breaking point uh, in our clubhouse. Like, I, there's a lot of unity in there. Those guys are cohesive. They, uh, they're not divided. Um, and, and tying it to a manager, uh, you know, again, I, I look more to myself. You know, I, I think more about what I can do differently and what I can do better. Um, I, I believe in people. Uh, one of my <clears throat> least favorite things or anecdotes you hear oftentimes in life and professional sport is people are who they are. Um, I don't believe that to be true. And I truly wanted this to work with Charlie. Uh, we, were, we were committed to one another and worked hard at, a, at, a, at creating the best environment that we could. Um, and he's done a lot of good here. Just a question about John Schneider. Obviously, you've seen him move through the ranks of the organization and transition to the, to the major league team. What do you like about him as a manager, and do you see him as the kind of guy who could be a, a long-term solution? He's, uh, you, you know, the things I said before, I would say again, um, and, and I'm <clears throat> sure you guys can go back and grab those. Uh, I think adding, you know, just like bigger picture to it maybe is he has um, and a very, very, very significant love for the game um, and has had a very deep passion about being a manager for a very long time. He has had, uh, outside of his family, almost a singular focus on it. And you can see how he's grown into the leader that he is. Um, on top of that, he's uh, on top of the acumen, uh, the understanding, the ins and outs, the rules, being prepared for in-game decision-making, communication, pre-game and post. Um, he, he has uh, a level of positivity that's palpable. Uh, and our, you know, I think you, know, you guys have seen it, those of you who've been in and around him, and our players have certainly seen it as well. Uh, Ross, you, you said that uh, Charlie didn't lose the room per se, but you said there were some little things that, uh, that you feel that weren't being done. Is, that, is, it, is it just a change of philosophy you're looking for now? Or are you look I mean, it ultimately comes down to, yes, there are, a, 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 you know, it's a philosoph philosophical difference <clears throat> uh, from time to time on certain aspects. Um, yeah, but I, I would say the same things. No, I didn't. There's a, there's a deep level of care um, and, a, and a lot of individuals in our clubhouse that think a lot of Charlie Montoya. Hey, Ross, um, you said this came together in the last 24 hours kind of thing, but I mean, you guys won last night. So what other factors around your team went into this and how much did the one and six road trip play into this? Yeah, I mean, I, I, 24 hours, it was in the last 24 hours, it was finalized. And until something is final, uh, it's not final. Um, so lots of consideration. Uh, you know, whether that's days turning into week or weeks, uh, really not that important. But 
painstaking consideration, very, very difficult decision. Uh, I believe in him still as a baseball leader, but felt this change was necessary. I think also, you know, only a week ago or so, we saw the real human side of Charlie that I think we all know, being by Bud's side, obviously. I yeah. mean, I think some people can look at this and say it's a bit of a cruel time to do this to Charlie, given, you know, the circumstances the organization has been under. I mean, how would you respond to the timing of this, just knowing you guys as yeah. a staff were at a, his funeral? The funeral? I, I really respect and appreciate you, you asking that question and how I feel about that is out of respect for Charlie once you've made the decision, regardless of circumstance, that's the best thing for the individual and the team. Uh, hey, Ross, you mentioned you just spoke to the players and spoke to the players recently. What was your message to them, and how are you kind of hoping they take this move? Yeah, I mean, not too dissimilar to what you've heard from me here. I think first and foremost, my uh, difficulty with the decision, how much I wanted it to work with Charlie, um, you know, secondarily, uh, my accountability and, and this collective setback uh, and how much I believe in them. And there's, there's, not, there's not a dis, I don't, I'm not disappointed, we're not disappointed in the individual's effort, in the individual's, uh, actually their performances. There's so many individual performances happening well. Um, yeah, I feel like we can play better as a team. And you know, I think uh, they understood that and, and appreciated it. Um, along those lines, Ross, um, did you speak to players before the change? You obviously spoke to them afterwards, but did you seek out uh, thoughts from them beforehand, or did they offer any? So the first one, absolutely not, and the second one, no. Um, it's, a, it's not a decision you can be collaborative on. Gotcha. Um, with respect to Schneider, he's obviously qualified, but did you consider other internal candidates for the interim role, whether it was Pete or Casey or anyone else? Yeah, I mean, we're not going to make any decision without working through somewhat of a process. Um, but again, it's not one where I can be exceptionally collaborative. I did work through some alternatives and ultimately felt strongly about John Snyder being the interim manager. Ross in the back in the middle. Um, is it the current slide of the team? Is it going to impact at all your strategy with the trade deadline looming? Uh, or is it going to rest on what what happens in the next few weeks with the team and its new Can manager. you just say the first part again? It's weird acoustics back there for some reason. With uh, the recent slide of the team, um, uh -huh. and how much is it going to rest on the next couple of weeks, your strategy for the trade deadline? Um, I, I feel great about this team. I feel, I, I mean, the potential. As I said, I'm disappointed in where we are and not realizing our potential. Uh, and part of that is me continuing to think about how we can improve it with our leadership group, and a part of that is the trade deadline. Ross, back in spring training, you ended up extending Charlie through 23 with the two club options. And at that point, what was the evaluation? How did that evolve so much that you got to this point three and a half months later? I, I would say all the things that I've said, again, um, I really wanted this to work as evidenced by that decision. And, uh, you know, we continued to work together to uh, think about how we could collectively improve the team, collectively improve our performance and our outcomes, um, but ended up making the decision we made today. We'll go to Mike Wilner. 
over over the course of your your years in front offices and and in the game, how have you thought about the effect of a midseason managerial change? What what it can or can't do? Yeah, I mean, one of the things I said um, to our team is when you start in these roles um, and when you start thinking about your how you'll handle situations and you know what what type of environment what type of decisions do you want to be making what type of communication do you want to be a part of them this is not one you're ever wanting to do um, and the timing uh, the timing is is you know the, there's never a good time there's never a good time to make such a difficult decision and back to Schneider for a second how much does his history with the young core of the team help in all the other factors that you mentioned in, in yeah I, him the role. I mean that that definitely was a part of it you know that that familiarity at a, this point in the season is uh, powerful also very excited about Casey Candell uh, his experiences the complementary skill set to John Schneider and our staff his recent work um, that we are I uh, felt you know the, the only downside that John Schneider and I felt about Casey Kendell coming into this role was that he's not with our very important AAA team. Okay, I think. All right, we're back here on Jay's Talk Plus. Uh, I'm Blake Murphy. That was Ross Atkins talking to you, um, answering a lot of questions about the removal of Charlie Montoyo. Um, we thought we were getting John Schneider. But that might be taking a couple moments uh, here. So we'll continue to talk to you through this. Ross Atkins, um, you know, the cliff notes there. This was a very, very difficult decision that he wanted to not have to make. He wanted to work with Charlie Montoyo. Um, and, you know, there wasn't a level of collaboration necessarily because he felt you can't do that at this time. Uh, but the big ticket item here is that they're disappointed with where they're at. Atkins took some accountability Certainly, and about as much accountability as you're going to expect a, a GM to take in that position. Uh, he's certainly not going to fire himself or anything like that. Uh, but the focus is now on him and the moves he makes between now and the deadline and how this John Schneider thing uh, works out. Because as Atkins said, and quote, I'm extremely disappointed with where we are. This is a collective setback. Jays are four games over 500, uh, fighting it out for one of the final playoff spots. Can't really blame him for not being thrilled about that. Um, you can quibble with some of the specifics. Of course, you you always have to consider in these situations that a front office executive is not going to be completely forthcoming with all the information and, and all the, the juicy stuff, especially with the deadline a couple weeks away. But I do think the kind of big ticket item there is that they're disappointed with this. They're as disappointed as you are that this team isn't better. Um, you know, if you're uh, if you're a fan eager for trades, you maybe don't love how much of the talking point was you have the pieces and you have the individual performances to be better than this. That's true. But even before injuries and slumps, we thought this was a team that was going to need to add before the deadline. I don't think that's off the table. I think that's firmly on the table. Uh, you just don't want to give too much away in a press conference. Something I found interesting was Kayla McGrath of The Athletic, her question about the timing. Uh, because, again, I, th I think all of us thought that this was a possibility. 
maybe even a likelihood if things continued. But the timing, two days removed from the service for Mark Budzinski's daughter, was tough. And Ross Atkins answered that by saying, out of respect for Charlie Montoyo, anytime, once you've made that decision, it's the most respectful to go ahead with that decision, regardless of timing. Um, that's, that's, can be appreciated. Yeah, it's still a little awkward. We've got John Schneider now, new interim manager of the Toronto Blue Jays down at Rogers Center. So we'll head over there. All right. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we're joined by Blue Jays manager, John Schneider. He's going to start with some opening comments and we'll go into q and Yeah. Hi. Uh, whirlwind day. Uh, bittersweet, obviously. Um, have all the respect in the world for Charlie Montoyo uh, as a baseball coach, manager, uh, and as human being. So um, bittersweet, uh, but this is something that I've been looking forward to for a long time and excited to uh, do this with this organization that I've known for over 20 years. So uh, looking forward to the opportunity, and uh, that's pretty much it. Getting ready for the game tonight. All right, go ahead and raise your hands. We'll start with Caitlin. Uh, hey, John. Uh, obviously, congrats on um, the new role. Um, I guess Ross just spoke to us a lot about, you know, sort of the disappointment, where the team is at, the record, all that kind of stuff. In your eyes, um, you know, what's been holding this team back? Why aren't you guys sort of where you wanted and expected to be? I think, you know, over the course of a season, it's there's ups and downs, and I think, you, you know, you kind of hit it. Um, at a weird time in the season. Um, you know, you can say that certain guys are underperforming. You can say certain coaches are underperforming. So I think when he said it's a collective effort to kind of be where we are right now, he kind of nailed it. Uh, there's things we can all do better. Obviously, players in the field feel it, um, especially on a day like today. And, um, you know, just to, trying to stay ahead of it as a, as a coaching staff collectively to try to really just, you know, keep going forward and, and uh, let the players be the best version of themselves. But you can't really pinpoint it one thing or another to this point. John, when you go back to your early days as a manager in the minor leagues, how have you changed and how would you describe your own style right now? Change, I think you're a little more patient. You know, I think in the in the minor leagues, you know, it's um, you know, you want to be as hard and, and as firm with the players as you can. Uh, my style probably won't change that much from a tactical standpoint. Um, I like being aggressive. I like having fun. I, I always think that when the guys are comfortable, uh, that's the best version of, of the player you're going to get. Um, but over the years, I think you just get to be a little bit more patient. You get to be a little bit more um, empathetic with the stuff the guys are going through. Uh, but, you know, my overall style, I don't think, is going to change. And these uh, past few years working on Charlie's staff, whether it's smaller moments or bigger picture stuff, what do you take from that and adapt yourself as a manager? Man, it's just so much that goes into the day, I think, is the big stuff that I've learned from him. The prep, um, you know, knowing that you're going to be scrutinized for any decision that you make, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, but, you know, he taught me a lot. You know, it was, you know, I was lucky enough to let him, you know, have him let me come onto his staff without really knowing him. Um, and like Ross said, man, any success that we have going forward, he's going to be a big part of. So just looking forward to kind of um, continue to, you know, do the things that we've all kind of set in place collectively, um, and hopefully it turns out the way we want it to turn out. Congratulations. Thanks, Mike. Uh, John, um, you, you, you want to continue to do the things, but you also have to tweak it a little bit, sure. right, to this being the, the new guy in charge. And um, as, hanging out on that top step the whole season, 
how much have you seen that you might do differently? How much have you seen that, you know, if, if you were running the show? There's always a few things here and there, right, that you talk about and you discuss. I haven't really given it that much thought. Um, I just kind of found out about this a couple hours ago. But I think over the course of the next few games or a week or whatever it is before the break, um, there will be some examples specifically about, you know, what, what would you do differently. You know, it's not, not anything glaring at the moment. Um, more so focused on hitting Zach Wheeler tonight. But um, nothing really jumps out right now. And I, I asked Ross the same question. You have a history with this young core. You manage them to a championship in A ball and double A. Um, how much does that help what needs to happen over the last 74 games? It's awesome. I mean, it's, it's a level of comfort with the guys that I have and that we all have as a staff. We've all been here for four years. So I think, you know, knowing them and kind of what makes them tick is, um, you know, something that I'm lucky enough to have. And uh, I think going forward, it's going to be, you know, I've talked to these guys a little bit today, just briefly, individually. It's going to be no different than what they're used to from me, uh, albeit on a, on a much bigger stage um, and way brighter lights while I'm sitting up here sweating. But it's uh, hopefully just business as usual, man. These guys know how to play and they know how to have fun. And uh, I don't really want to get in the way of that. Hey, John, along those lines, um, you know Vladdy as well as anyone. Uh, what have you seen from him so far this year? It seems like there's a little frustration, at least right now. And what are you looking forward to him from this point on? Uh, I talked to him earlier, about 45 minutes ago. Um, nothing different. He's one of the best players on the planet, you know. Um, I think everyone knows that. And this year has been a little bit of an up-and-down year for him, uh, especially when you're looking at, you know, comparisons to last year. But... I don't want him to put any added pressure on himself. I think every player goes through a, an up and down spell or times of frustration, and I think we're kind of just catching it all together at the same time with Vlad, but um, we're looking forward to Vladdy being himself the rest of the way out. And I guess uh, more broadly, what are you most looking forward to for yourself, for this group, as this season progresses here? Everything. You know, this is, I'm, like I said, it's, it's bittersweet and emotional. You know, this is something that I've always wanted to do. Um, and I, I'm just looking forward to doing it with this group that I'm familiar with, you know, both in the coaching office and the guys in the clubhouse and the guys in the front office. You know, I've, I've been very fortunate to be around this organization for as long as I have. So being able to hopefully kind of put my stamp on it a little bit with the other guys that are, you know, on the coaching staff is what, is what I'm looking forward to and, and hopefully sharing those with the players as well, those, those good times. Hey, John. Um John, you touched on it earlier. Uh, you have no shortage of experience as a manager, um, but the, you've had the, the opportunity to kind of learn on the job in the big league dugout over the last year or so. What do you think that's going to do for you um, moving into this role right away? The, yeah, the, the reps kind of help. You know, you're kind of managing a game while not managing a game um, every night in the role that I have been in. So um, I think trying to just make... Uh, you know, good decisions pretty consistently is the biggest thing I'm looking forward to. Being prepared and kind of having things not speed up on you. This is all new to me. This is all different. So I'm, there's going to be times where it's, you know, holy crap at times, I'm sure. But uh, just being as prepared as I can and, um, you know, just being convicted in decisions that we make collectively. And, and the last week or so has been, been very tough on this team emotionally. Um, how have you, what, what's your sense of what the morale is like in the clubhouse these days? Yeah, there's no doubt it's been a tough 10 days, you know, starting with the doubleheader against Tampa and then, you know, Bud and his daughter and then a rough road trip. So I think, you know, 
if you put that in a vacuum, yeah, it, it, it's tough. Um, every team is going to go through some kind of up and down over the course of a year, and I think we really kind of just, you know, got it from a lot of different angles over the past, you know, 10 days or so. So the morale's good. The guys are, you know, they know that they're talented and they know that they can play better. So that's going to be the main message going forward. Who were your first phone calls and or texts to <laughs> once you get the job, once you got the job, and what were those conversations like? Uh, I was in the car with my wife and two boys going to lunch, and those plans changed in a hurry. Um, so they heard the news kind of firsthand from Ross, which was cool. Called my parents, called my two brothers, let them know, and then was on my way to the yard. So happened really quickly, but was very fortunate that uh, my wife and boys uh, were in the car. They got to hear it firsthand, and uh, pretty cool to call my parents and brothers as well. Where were you eating? We were coming up here to the Sportsnet Grill. Um, <laughs> Gunner and Grayson wanted to come down and hit in the cages afterwards, so uh, we had to change plans real quick. and. Uh, you know, I think Jess took him out for a nice uh, lunch somewhere. <laughs> hey, John. Hey, Shai. Uh, um, when you kind of consider some of the opportunities, uh, maybe some of the spots where things fell between the cracks for this team, how would you, how, how do you envision maybe approaching getting more out of the roster and maybe sealing up some of the loose spots that have cost you guys wins? over the period so far? Uh, tough question, but I think that, you know, you always want to be as prepared as you can going into it. And I think if you can consistently put guys in positions to have success over time, and I know you say 162, but that's going to be crunched down into, you know, another half a season right now. The more you can do that, the better off you're going to be. So I think just being consistent with those decisions and consistent with our prep work um, and being convicted as a team that this is going to be, you know, advantageous to us to win a ball game that night. Um, hopefully we can make those decisions, you know, collectively as a whole and uh, the guys are in the right spots at the right time. Is there anything in your prep part in the club's prep process that you envision adapting from Charlie to kind of now that you're you're in the in the big chair? I don't think so. I think it's going to be business as usual a little bit. Um, I think myself over the course of the next few games, I may find a different cadence to my day or, or find things you know to do a little bit differently but the staff that we have that puts in a ton of hours and the coaches that we have here uh, they're all prepared and they're all on the same page so I don't think it's going to be anything um, that much different going forward. John uh, just to deviate from uh, Blue Jay strategy uh, you're the third UDEL <laughs> alum to be a manager in the big leagues to be in the same category as Dallas and even Lee Ilya give me a thought on that. It's cool. You know, you dealt the big powerhouse baseball program, right? Um, it's cool. I got a text from Coach Jim Sherman today already, which was pretty neat. Um, yeah, man, this is something you don't take lightly. You know, you're one of 30, and, um, you know, you want to do everything that you can to represent your organization, your players, and yourself well. So definitely something that uh, don't take for granted and an and uh, exciting challenge that I'm looking forward to. John, have you been in communication with Charlie since you were made aware of this change? I uh, have not, no. Um, it's been a crazy couple hours. I'm definitely going to talk to him before the game starts today. Um, obviously wishing him well and, um, you know, just sending my, my best to him. Like I said, nothing but respect for him as a man and as a baseball guy. Um, so I'm definitely going to speak to him before tonight's game. What do your boys think of daddy's new job? <laughs> They're not quite sure what it is yet. Um, but uh, they, were, they could tell by mom's reaction that it was pretty cool. 
So that was a, that was a cool little moment for us. John, a lot of managers don't get their first shot in the big leagues halfway through a season with a playoff team that's expected to be a lot more than just a playoff team. What are the, the pros and cons of being thrust into this situation for your first shot? I don't really see many cons, uh, to be honest with you. This is a group that's talented and that wants to win. Um, we're all familiar with one another. And, you know, us as a coaching staff, we're all familiar with one another. So it's more of an opportunity. You know, I think that just, you know, getting used to the daily ins and outs of the job is going to be a little bit different. Um, but I, I don't really see many, many cons. I see a lot of opportunities for uh, this team to do really, really well going forward. And you, you mentioned and Ross mentioned that you've been like single-minded focus uh, of doing this job at some point in your career. I'm sure this isn't how you expected to take over, but as far as the track that got you here, is this sort of the, the expectation that you had to, to make it? Not in this exact way yet because of the amount of respect I have for Charlie. Um, but yeah, this is what I had hoped to do. This is, you know, kind of the end goal for me as a, as a baseball coach when I stopped playing. So just really looking forward to it. And again, like I said, something I don't take lightly and um, just really excited for every, uh, every bump in the road along the way as well. All right, that concludes our press conference. Thank you, John. Yep, you uh, bet. Thank you, guys. Clubhouse is now open. We're back here on Jay's Talk Plus. I'm Blake Murphy. That was John Schneider. A little before him, Ross Atkins. Uh, Charlie Montoyo out as manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. John Schneider interim tag for the remainder of the season. Big takeaways from those. Ross Atkins expressed a lot of palpable frustration with where the team's at and their ability to be better. Uh, he called it a collective setback. So pressure's on ahead of the deadline. Uh, John Schneider trying to establish the line that business as usual inside those clubhouse doors. We'll see as the next hour or so unfolds. I'm sure there'll be a lot of uh, Jays reporters, um, you know, sharing some of the player insight on this move. We'll have lots for you uh, from Ben Wagner on the call during tonight's game on the Sportsnet Radio Network, uh, on television with Dan Schulman and Pat Tabler. Um, I'm sure you'll hear from Hazel May and Ben and Arden and Shai, uh, whether you're consuming on digital or on TV or radio, the player reactions to this will be fairly interesting. Um, hard not to like Schneider when he talks and, and you know, it's uh, I'm kind of of two minds with how everything's been explained today from our insiders and then from Atkins and Schneider. Uh, Schneider seems to have a big hand in the day-to-day -day stuff, which, great, the transition should be really seamless. Uh, but also, and this is something that, you know, Atkins didn't really touch on, but if this is all collaborative and it's all collective, like, I think we all know at least to some degree changing a manager is kind of a figurehead move. It's, it's more optics and signal than, than it is necessarily that one guy was pushing the wrong buttons and pulling the wrong levers. But there's a collective process here that, that maybe needs some tweaking. Um, the other thing is, is like they're, they're not wrong that this team in terms of individual talent should be better than this. And there are some hitters who should hit better. Uh, there are some pitchers who have pitched well, but um, the next step now, well, the, first, the most immediate step is get to the all-star break, 
with a little bit of positive momentum, shake off that one and nine stretch, beat the Phillies tonight, and then take a couple off the Royals on the weekend, head into the break, having exhaled a little weight off your shoulders. The next step after that, though, trade deadline. Uh, keep your texts coming to 590-590. Let us know what you think about the move, what changes you'd like to see, what you thought of Ross Atkins and John Schneider's comments. We'll answer some of those after the break as Jay's Talk Plus continues on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Great daily gambling advice from J.D., Blake, and Alish in the Fan Morning Show's Wake and Rake. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Jay's Talk Plus. I'm Blake Murphy. We just heard from Toronto Blue Jays general manager Ross Atkins and Toronto Blue Jays interim manager John Schneider. Charlie Montoyo has been dismissed, relieved of his duties. John Schneider steps in, hoping the transition is seamless from a tactical perspective, from a personality's perspective. Casey Kandel up from AAA to fill Schneider's old role and provide a little bit of, uh, you know, been through it at the major league level experience. If you haven't got enough Montoyo talk yet, uh, Blair and Barker were on a whole bunch earlier. You can check that out on the Blair and Barker uh, podcast feed. They'll be back with you post game for Jay's talk as well. Uh, Ben Wagner on the call when the Jays play the Phillies tonight at seven Oh seven. Yes, there is a baseball game still tonight. Uh, but we have more of the Charlie Montoro stuff to sort through. We've been taking your texts at 590, 590. Admittedly, haven't gotten to a ton of them because there's been a lot going on. We've had a lot of good guests. Producer JR just crushing it, helping me fill the, the schedule three hours today. Um, and also a lot of the texts say the same kind of thing. And I don't mean that to call you all unoriginal. I think some of the sentiments were, were pretty consistent. Um, I just mean that I might read a text from Ray from Aurora, and that's a stand-in for multiples of your texts. So maybe you see yourself in Ray from Aurora, who sent a bunch of angry texts and then asked for the Jays to hire Joe Madden, who just got fired for also being very bad at his job these days and losing his locker room. Uh, or Paul and Peterborough, who thinks the home run jacket is emblematic of the problem with the Jays. Maybe you see yourself in that. Um, Paul says, you know, you swing for the fences, no work in the count, no small ball. I'm not a big small ball guy, just the overwhelming amount of data in the history of baseball suggests it's not super effective, uh, especially when you have home run power. I will say that there have been some situational things that are certainly frustrating. This team's inability to hit with runners in scoring position for long stretches of time. Um, we sat down with Chris Black yesterday and went through some of the plate discipline stuff and some of how pitchers are attacking the Blue Jays and the lack of Blue Jays adjustments to that. Vladimir Guerrero is a good indicator. Getting hammered with breaking balls in the zone as pitchers bet that he's not going to do it. Uh, and then yesterday, uh, he got hit with a lot of stuff falling out of the zone or uh, just a little bit of timing off. Vlad did eventually rope a single the other way, uh, a very well-hit ground ball, but it was A, after he got a second chance because 
a fly ball wasn't caught in foul territory that should have been. And B, after he had three swinging strikeouts with seven swing and miss over those three plate appearances. Rough one for him, wearing the frustration. Obviously, there was the missed step on first base. That's not what caused Charlie Montoya to be let go, but it uh, it didn't help. Uh, Ross Atkins saying earlier that this decision came together in the last 24 hours, uh, not truthful. Caitlin McGrath pushed him on that a little bit, and he was like, well, whether it's days or weeks, you know, it, it's not finalized until it's finalized. John Schneider said he just found out today on the way to have a delicious lunch at the Sportsnet Grill, which you can check out before, during, after Blue Jays games down at Rogers Center. Um, we'll, we'll see how that change uh, works out. Uh, I think we're going to be able to hear from Arden Zwelling in a minute uh, as well and get his take. We'll, we'll do the whole, uh, the whole rotation of Sportsnet uh, Jays people now that that uh, presser's done there. Um, and again, you can continue to send your texts in. We're not going to get to all of them. Uh, that's okay. Uh, John from Oshawa says, I told you, Murph, I know my baseball. Um, John from Oshawa, my only response to you was that I didn't think it was going to happen the day after the funeral. Is all. That's all. That I didn't think uh, they would be doing it immediately after Mark Budzinski's daughter's funeral. That's all. I think a lot of people thought this was coming at some point, and a lot of people expected it sooner or later. It's just uh, it's just weird timing. This seemed like an odd week to do it. Um, Grant and Barry is asking about the Toronto Maple Leafs. It is the start of NHL free agency today. I'm sorry, Grant. I'm not fully equipped to answer that. I haven't kept up other than Ilya Samsonov. I know Kyle Dubas spoke today. Uh, I'm sure fan drive time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt will be all over that. And then you'll also have uh, the fan morning show tomorrow and your usual NHL and Leaf show on Sportsnet 590, the fan. Um, Someone who didn't sign asked, why are all the Jays managers always first-time managers? Um, That's just not true. You are not going to do a full external managerial search in the middle of a season. You got to go with someone internal almost definitely unless you have uh, an option already lined up. Um, Montoya was a first-time manager, yes. And there are probably some real questions to ask about whether they valued that for certain reasons, you know, things like what does that manager cost and, and where can you use budget elsewhere or what type of manager is going to be amenable to a lot of input from the front office and a lot of depth on the coaching staff to help make those decisions. But those are the only two manager hires this front office has made. Before that, they had brought back um, John Gibbons, of course. Uh, someone else says, I didn't realize John Schneider played in the Sioux. Uh, very good sports crossover joke, whoever that was. Ken more or less sums up the Charlie Montoyo sentiment from the text line. Nice guy, meh, as a manager. They were a little too undisciplined at the plate, a little sloppy on the base paths. I'd agree with that, Ken. Um, Charlie Montoyo is an excellent person by all accounts, um, but there were some things in the micro that Ross Atkins and the Blue Jays feel could be done better by John Schneider to help us sort through that. Arden Zwelling of sportsnet.ca, of at the letters, of 
color commentary on radio, Blue Jay Central, uh, taking time out. Arden, what did you make of the Ross Atkins media availability? What was the like the big ticket headline item for you coming out of that one? Hey, don't forget I do graphic design sometimes on the side as well. Yeah, uh, it's your passion, services. right? Yeah, one of my services I provide. Um, yeah, I think it had it's unsatisfying, is it not? Yeah. Like, to to hear him say, well, we felt that this move was necessary, and we had reasons for this move, but we're not going to share the why. Like he, like we, to me, it it, it you know, leaves you wanting more, and um, I guess maybe it's unrealistic to expect a GM to go up there and spill all the details and to tell us everything that went into this decision making. But Ross Atkins was pretty clear. We had a reason to make this decision, and we had been considering it for some time. So it begs the obvious question, okay, what were those reasons? And why was it? Why did it have to happen now? I haven't been listening to your show, but I'm sure you've been talking about this. The timing is awfully odd yeah. for this to happen <laughs> right now. With every, Think about everything that's going on organizationally right now, Blake. When you, you got a draft in a few days. you got the trade deadline coming up. You're trying to deal with a losing streak. You're you know, trying to make roster decisions. It's an odd time. So clearly the Blue Jays had reasons, and they made the move, and we don't know what those reasons were. Yeah, and that's what makes it hard to evaluate, right? Is it, And it makes it hard to evaluate – Charlie Montoyo, and it, make, it makes it hard to evaluate what John Schneider is going to change. And one of the things that I felt unsatisfied, and I know Ross Atkins took accountability for a lot of stuff, and, but that, you know, the opening statement was good, and then some of the follow-up answers were, were a little vague. One thing that I came away from that unsatisfied with and unclear on is, well, we always got told Charlie Montoyo was an extension of the front office and everything was so collaborative and all of that. Well, if he... If he's getting the axe here and it's a collective setback and all of those things, what has to change organizationally in terms of what goes into the decision-making process, what the actual decisions were? And you're right. I feel similarly to you that not highlighting what the issues were makes it difficult to evaluate and it makes it hard to know what we're supposed to look for from John Schneider now. (laughs) Well, and not stating what you're going to do differently going forward, like taking accountability and saying, look, this this should be put on me, and this should be put on us as a front office, but also not stating what you're going to do differently going forward in order to correct that is similarly unsatisfying. And like, I, I think some of that is just 2022 sports PR, mm-hmm. like, and something that we probably have to live with. And it's the job of me and the uh, I'm looking at it right now, like no fewer than three dozen media members <laughs> right now, or in front of the Blue Jays dugout and George Springer is actually being scrummed by all of them right now. And like, you cannot even penetrate the ring around George Springer that I'm seeing right now. But like, it's, it's the job of me and all those folks to find out. Right. And, and to sort of dig through and then, um, you know, and, and communicate that to fans in the way that we do. But look, I, I believe this was in the works for a while. I believe this was being considered for a while. The first time I had a sniff of it was during the Chicago Milwaukee road trip that I was on, that would have been, what, three, three and a half weeks ago now. Mm-hmm. And Ross Atkins alluded to it. That this is something that, you know, has been considered for weeks. It's not like the decision was made within the last 24 hours, but clearly there was a, and I don't know if breaking point is the right word or straw that broke the camel's back is mm-hmm. the right term, but clearly there was something over the last 24 hours to do this after the first game of a homestand after a win with all the things going on organizationally that I had alluded to. Obviously, something happened within the last 24 hours to push this thing over the edge. The one demonstrative 
piece of evidence we have is obviously Vladimir Guerrero Jr. during last night's game with the uh, the challenge that was made that he felt shouldn't have been made, and then the most baseball <laughs> baseball things happening. It was a, an obvious challenge situation presenting itself directly after that, and the shots that we had on the broadcast of Vlad looking pretty, um, just showing some obvious discontent on on his sleeve in the dugout. I mean, that's what we that's the evidence that we have on the broadcast. That so much stuff happens behind the scenes, and so much of the manager's job happens behind closed doors. It's impossible to say if that was the breaking point or, or if it was something else. Yeah, the only other thing I can think of is they made the decision on the West Coast trip and out of respect to the coaching staff, they didn't want to do it with the service for Mark Budzinski's daughter on Monday. It would have been awkward to do it that weekend or the first day back, but you also don't want to let it go long enough that if you take four off the Royals on the weekend, you're kind of stuck. Um, I did think it was in terms of not getting the answers too. I did think it was at least a little bit funny that they put out the batting order right before the, that press conference is the exact same, exact same as every day. I know the batting order is not everything, but the uh, really sticking to the, everything's going to be the same. We're just, you know, kind of hoping for a different voice and a different result. Um, Arden, have you, you mentioned the George Springer scrum. Have you gotten a chance to get reaction from anyone else around the organization yet? No, I, uh, I was stuck in traffic coming into Rogers center, got in time just for the press conferences, saw those walked into the clubhouse. wasn't a soul in the clubhouse uh, other than Ross Stripling who's starting and you don't talk to the starter <laughs> of course. Uh, on, on his start day. So I haven't, and then I stepped out here and my phone rang and I started talking to you. Uh, so George Springer's being scrummed right now. And like I said, this isn't the day <laughs> to gather that type of stuff. Yeah. Players are going to be pretty scarce and there is a rather considerable media throng here. But I do think you like, you raised an interesting point about Julia Budzinski's funeral the other day and the, the timing of this. Um, like we can just borrow words from Ross Atkins that he said on the podium that, look, regardless of circumstances, the fair thing and the right thing to do for the individual and for the organization once you have made that decision is to execute and is to do it. So that tells me that the decision had not been made on Monday, on the off day, that the decision had not been made on the West Coast trip. I, I, I think the Ross Atkins tipped that hand. So it had to be something in the last 24 hours that pushed this over the edge and it's just sort of one of the unsatisfying things right now at this point that we're in you know Ross Atkins you know also said something to the effect of you know we felt our we put ourselves in the best position going forward by firing Charlie Montoya well that means you felt that he was holding you back Mm -hmm. going forward but you're also not indicating why he was holding (laughs) you back and what it was about his managerial style and then even just to respond to your lineup comment, which I thought was well put, like the, we're not going to see different lineups, I don't think. No. And I don't think we're going to see different tactics because I think that the lineup is a collaborative effort between the front office, between the coaching staff, between high performance, between the training staff, between the analytics. Um, like I, I don't think that Charlie Montoya was like waking up every day and looking at an empty lineup card and just writing names into it. Like I, There's a lot of cooks in that kitchen. So I wouldn't expect the lineup to change. I wouldn't expect the tactics to change because I think that John Schneider, honestly, has had a very heavy hand in a lot of the Blue Jays' tactical decisions this year. Like He has been a key decision-maker for them on that bench in his role as bench coach. So I would expect that tactically this team's going to play 
pretty similarly. So we can even sort of eliminate those things from the list of reasons why. Like, I don't think it was tactical decisions. I don't think it was lineup decisions. It, you know, as we sort of play the process of elimination here, it has to be something behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. Doesn't it doesn't have to be something in the clubhouse. Um, it has to be something about Charlie Montoyo's leadership that the Blue Jays lost confidence in only four months after extending him. Yeah, it it has to be. And, you know, whether that's – I'm trying to – and I'm not as close to the team as you are, so maybe you'll get a better sense of this over the coming homestand. But, you know, the sense I get, especially hearing just how big a hand John Schneider had and his relationship with players dating back to years in the organization, like I do wonder if it was something where the tides had just kind of shifted, where John Schneider had emerged as kind of the voice anyway, and this – gets ahead of a potentially more negative environment where, you know, they, they, there's fracturing or, or cliquing or something like that. That's maybe a little too dramatic, but it certainly sounds like John Schneider was already, if not like co-manager, like a part manager or something like that. So um, I guess my question for you, Arden, before I let you go, that flows from that is then, um, you know, is the hope here that, the change at the top in leadership and the signal this gives the clubhouse that that's enough to shake this team out of it? Or are we expecting John Schneider to have a more tangible impact? Um, or, or are we even hitting pause on all of that because the trade deadline's so close? Yeah, let's see what they do on August 2nd, right? Um, let's see what happens over the next few weeks. I think that, and you and I probably talked about this last time we were in, mm-hmm. like this club was due for some positive regression regardless. Yeah. I think, honestly, and like, look, you can point to the run differential actually and say, maybe they've actually, you know, don't deserve the record they have. Maybe they should, they've been a little bit lucky, but I think that when you measure talent and when you measure projections individually for each player, you see why Pangrass will still give this club an extremely strong playoff odd, even better than clubs that it has a similar record to because of how these players project. And it's been sort of the maddening thing about the Blue Jays is how, um, the, the whole has not been equal to sort of the sum of its parts. And and that even extends back to last season where you're left scratching your head at the end of the year of like, wait, how did we have the Cy Young and the MVP runner up and, uh, you know, Marcus Simeon having like the best power season the second baseman's ever had and Jordan Romano being one of the league's best closers and on and on and on. And we didn't make the playoffs. Like, how did this happen? It's sort of similar this year. Like, how do we have, this stud and Alec Manoa and, and Kevin Gosman is top of rotation as well. And sure, Vlad took a step back, but he's still a 130, you know, weighted runs grade plus player. And oh, by the way, like eight of our regulars are over 100 weighted runs grade plus. And why aren't we winning? Like that, that's been sort of the big question around the Blue Jays for the last uh, 18 months or so now. And I, it's one that I, I'm certainly not qualified to answer, but I think that the Blue Jays feel that one way that they're going to turn that around, I guess, is is by removing their manager and making a, a change at the head of their leadership in the dugout. But it's not like this is a new voice that's coming in. It's not like this is going to be a different approach. It's going to be a, a very familiar voice that all of these players not only have known for the last couple of years, but have known like since New Hampshire and since Dunedin. It's going to be a very similar approach. So it's it put, you know it, it puts an awful spotlight on Charlie Montoyo really. And if this club goes off to win, say, 10 of the next 12, yeah, a lot of people are going to look at it and say, oh, wow, it's because they changed the manager. But honestly, I think the Blue Jays were due to win more than they lose going forward regardless because I don't think that the club 
or the results that we saw lately really represent the true talent level of the club. Yeah, it'd be super unfair to Charlie Montoyo if their next five games were against a team that is shorthanded because of COVID <laughs> restrictions and injuries, and then uh, four games against a team with a 30, 391 winning percentage. Uh, that would be unfair. I hope that doesn't happen that way for him. Uh, Arden Zwelling, thanks so much for taking the time out, man. I know it's a busy one for you, so I appreciate it. Good to talk to you, Blake. Take it easy. Arden Zwelling of Sports.ca at the Letters. Everywhere else, you consume anything, Jays, and got to find out more about that uh, graphic design side hustle he's got and rugby superstar Arden Swelling. Um, that is, uh, we've heard from a lot of our sports that voices today. It's obviously a big day. The Toronto Blue Jays move on from Charlie Montoyo in the manager chair. John Schneider takes over. Ross Atkins not happy with where things are. To quote him, I'm extremely disappointed with where we are. This is a collective setback, and ultimately, this starts with me. The clock hits pause here a little bit, kind of just because of the way that baseball scheduling works. The draft is on Sunday and then it's the all-star break, but coming out of that break, all eyes on Ross Atkins at this point, I think, um, especially with the, the main talking point today being that this should be a seamless transition, the manager chair, because John Schneider was already so heavily involved and already, uh, has relationships with a lot of these players. So probably turns around because they were due for some regression and they're a better team than they've shown. And the Kansas city Royals are coming to town for four, but uh, coming out of that all-star break, it's going to be eyes on the front office. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll uh, cross over with fan drive time. We'll have Ben Ennis on and we'll tee up tonight's game. Ross stripling against Zach Wheeler as the Jays look to win their second in a row and move to one and oh, under John Schneider. That's next on Jays Talk Plus on Sports at 590 The Fan. The smartest takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Jay's Talk Plus. I'm Blake Murphy. It's been a day. Three hours of Jay's Talk Plus today because the Toronto Blue Jays dismissed manager Charlie Montoyo in a move that as we start to see beat writers collecting information uh, since the clubhouse is open, not a lot of surprise around. Maybe some surprise with the timing, but not surprise that the move happened in general. Um, of course, you get the Everyone knew this was coming uh, once it happens, but there weren't reports about it out before. But I think, you know, we could all read between the lines. We could all see what's happening with this team. Big day in Toronto sports in general. Charlie Montoya's out as manager of the Blue Jays. It's the first day of NHL free agency, and the Toronto Maple Leafs are kind of active. And uh, the Toronto Raptors have a summer league game at 7 o'clock to help us sort through all of that before he transitions over to fan drive time at five Ben Ennis how are you buddy good I I am grinding on that summer league game at seven o'clock uh, yeah getting my uh, my prep done for for that bad boy yeah because... well you gotta rush too right you yeah. gotta hop in the car after your show <laughs> and, and get right there yeah um yeah this is uh JD asked me JD and Ailish asked me about it on the fan morning show today about like why does Raptor summer league seem a little less important this year. JD's theory was because I'm not there. and I'm the only person who reports on it normally. <laughs> um, point. 
but also, yeah, it's a, there's a lot going on. Yeah. I do wonder though, would it feel like, so I was there, I I've been there every year that there's been a summer league since 20, as far back as 2016, but 2018 was the quiet year. And like my whole Vegas trip was like stalking Bobby Webster basically. Um, so I wonder if it would have been like that uh, this year, but let, let's keep it on Jays for another 10 or 15 minutes here. I know you guys have Frank Saravelli coming on to talk some, some NHL free agency, but uh, man, what was your first thought when you, you heard the news this morning? I, I, I thought um, I was wrong, honestly. Because um, not that I didn't think Charlie Montoya wouldn't be fired this year. I really didn't think when when he returned from the road trip, the horrible, horrible one and six road trip in which you get swept in four games by the team directly behind you in the American League wildcard chase. Once he took the field on Tuesday for game one of two against the Philadelphia Phillies after the 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 charter to take them to, to Julia Budzinski's memorial on Monday, I thought, well, okay, if this, if this decision is coming, and it very well might, it's probably an all-star break thing. But no, it was a day later. And, and clearly, you know, and even Ross Atkins in his media availability alluded to this. He said, yeah, it's, it's been a tough 24 hours. Like, th- this decision has been percolating for a while. And, and like, I'm not an insider. I'm not like Blake Murphy going down to Vegas Summer League and and you know has the all the the, the numbers of everybody who is a, is is in the circle of confidence with the Toronto Raptors like I, but I do know some people who know some things with the Blue Jays. Yeah. Some of those people sometimes come on the radio with me. But yeah, and sometimes they can't say all the things that they know, yeah. right? And so this was percolating a couple of weeks ago and and maybe some some, you know, signs of life, maybe taking two out of three from the Boston Red Sox and taking two, the first two games against the Tampa Bay Rays might have staved off yeah. what was eventually going to happen. But no, it, it came a week later. So, yeah, I, w- I was I was slightly surprised. There's a very cynical part of me that wonders if they saw that 18-game and 17-day stretch and knew they wanted to make a change at some point. Obviously didn't think it would get that bad but also didn't want to make the change and have a new manager saddled with wearing it if things didn't go well during that stretch where you'd be juggling starters and stretching your bullpen and doing the 40-man churn and stuff like that. Um, And then there's the other factor, and Arden kind of shot this down when I just talked to him, but with um, the service for Mark Budzinski's daughter being Monday in Virginia – you know, you couldn't, you maybe couldn't do it on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, but Ross Atkins basically said, well, it's only respectful to Charlie Montoya to do it as soon as you make the decision. So I don't I, know. I agree with that. Uh, and I I thought that was well put, right? Mm-hmm. Like it is just business, right? But it, it does. If that's the case, it makes today being the day extremely curious given what's happened over the last couple of weeks. Right. Because yeah, he managed yesterday. Yes. <laughs> And they won a tight game and he like the bullpen did what you'd wanted to do. Like there was the Vlad thing, obviously in the challenge, but you win a run, a one run game. Um, Maybe they just wanted him to get the 500 record and he could get out. Yeah. Because yeah, he, he, he finishes his Toronto Blue Jays. Exactly. 500. Just like Carlos Tosca, the great Carlos Tosca. Um, Yeah. So this isn't, this isn't even cynical. What I'm about to say, this is just matter of fact, when, uh, front offices fire their managers in Major League Baseball. 
they do it at points in the season in which they expect the team to take off, right? Dead coach bounce. Y- yeah, but part of that is also looking ahead to the schedule. And you got Zach Wheeler tonight, so that's a tough one. And then four against the Kansas City Royals before you, you take a week off of the All-Star break. So, yeah, I, I wonder if that, that plays into it as well. Um, we've seen various degrees of, of, of success with the managerial firings this year, by which I mean the Angels have been even worse, like way worse. They were only a couple of games under 500 with yeah. Joe Madden. They're atrocious when Phil Nevin, you know, finally gets back into, into the dugout. Um, and, yeah, the, the Phillies are okay. They're fine. But, yeah, they haven't seen the resurgence that they they were hoping for um, in the NL East. So it, the, 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 there is reason to believe that this could be a, a – uh, we could be headed into the All-Star break and everybody writing the story that, hey, you know what? The, the Blue Jays are getting at least short term what they expected out of this thing. This team, this team looks more alive. They we, look- we can't tell you any of the things that actually changed because no. the whole op, the like the whole talking point and company line was well, John Schneider was doing a lot of this anyway. Well, but it but that's I, I think Ross Atkins actually you know did make reference to the things that he doesn't want to talk about mm-hmm. in re- respect to Charlie Montoya. You just fired a guy, so yeah. there's obvious- you don't want to. It, like it, it shovel it, dirt. Yeah. No, it's a two-parter, right? Like there's a hey, everybody, players, pay attention. We're firing people here. This is unacceptable. What we've seen through 88 games here. That's part of it. But there's all, and I guess there's part of it that is tactical, despite the fact that John Schneider is very much involved with mm-hmm. the day-to-day decisions. Um, and I don't know how much you can quibble with necessarily with with Charlie Montoya. But there's other things like I know we we. we Roll our eyes at the 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 way media availabilities are addressed, or the lack of focus at times. And maybe lack of focus is the wrong term because Ross actually was asked that directly about focus and yeah. didn't say they were unfocused. And I, I generally agree with that. But there have been instances where it's like, okay, the Blue Jays lost six of the seven games on the road trip. They played some bad baseball there too. Mm-hmm. There's there's Lourdes Gurriel Jr. getting deked out by like the oldest trick in the book in center field, right? Like and that's that's not a one-off occurrence. And that's a trick he plays all the time. He's of the course. king of bad routes and then gunning you down. Yeah. So, that's a tough one. And and look, in 2022 there aren't a lot of great ways to evaluate a manager because everything's collective and everything's, you know, there's some stuff coming down from the front office and, you know, they have a hitting coach and a hitting strategist and mm. all this stuff. But if you're going to look at things, a couple of the things I think you would look at, record in one-run games, which the Jays were solid, but it had come down to earth. Uh, I think if you wanted a proxy for not readiness, but approach at the plate, how you do with runners in scoring position is fairly random, but that little bit that's not random is maybe a can you adjust your approach to the situation? And the Jays have been a disaster with runners in scoring position all year. And then bullpen you only have the arms you have there is one stat uh win probability added that's adjusted for leverage index that it's our best look at giving us uh hey did you use the guys succeed in the right situations did you use the right guys in the right leverage and the jays ranked 27th in that one so maybe there's something there but also like who are you gonna throw out there you have jordan romano and a bunch of pitch to contact guys no i i I feel pretty confident in saying that watching the way the Blue Jays are deployed, the rest of the season's not going to look all that different. I really mm-hmm. don't think. Like, 
I mean, I joked with Arden. The lineup came out shortly before that press conference and was the top eight is the exact same as it always is. Of course. Of course, because, yeah, okay, John Schneider's in, in, involved in that conversation, but yeah. so's the front office, yeah. right? Like, also, you have eight really good, like, everyday quality players. That's why it's the other stuff. It is one, it's not 100%, but it's like 99% percent the yeah. other stuff the the stuff that maybe we don't even know about yeah i what? know we can grab onto the challenge from yesterday or the non-challenge but like that is like it's also that's not charlie montoyo on that phone no. you want to get real deep state here it was john schneider on that yeah, phone sure, but, sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not even that and you know what it's not even like wh what is charlie montoyo supposed to do when lourdes guriel jr gets deked out in center field I, I i don't know but it's a results business right mm -hmm. like the buck does stop with somebody and yeah. I don't know what you have to do to 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 weed that stuff out. No, maybe it's be more of a hardline manager. I, I I don't know. It's also just the business, right? Like you, yeah. you're a new-ish front office. He's the first hire. He's an inexperienced, not inexperienced in baseball years, but no. he hadn't managed a major league team before. You, Neither is this guy. You know from the start, though, that like, okay, if this doesn't go well, that's like every GM gets that once. Yep, everyone gets it. Mm -hmm. So. You kind of knew that it would happen unless everything went beautifully. It was going to happen eventually. So I guess the questions that I'm left with from all this, I understand it. I didn't, I wasn't caught off guard other than maybe which day of the week it happened on. But Ross Atkins availability and the talking point of John Schneider was doing a lot of this anyway. It does, it does leave us to assume that a lot of the change and a lot of, the growth that's going to happen is a combination of regression and soft stuff that we don't get to see. Yeah. And that's a little uncomfortable for me as a guy who likes to lean on the, the hard analysis. Yeah. Well, this is, you know what, in a way this is great because sports are not just hard They're analysis. Not. <laughs> like, and, and I know you know that. Yeah. And, and I love my stats too. And, and this is the sport that we can best judge through numbers and, and, and tangible, mm -hmm. you know, things that we can see things that we can evaluate and, and how things are going. Like we can see the box score and, and we can go beyond that and we can actually, we can, we can do a lot more with baseball than we can with like hockey, right? Mm -hmm. but and I, I, I'm fond of saying, and I said this on the Fan Morning Show, but with hockey, but it applies to baseball very well, is like the soft stuff is real and that gap between what the actual results are and what all of this data that we have and all this analysis that we do says the results should have been, mm -hmm. some of that gap between results and expectations is going to be randomness, but some of it is going, a chunk of it probably is going to be that soft stuff that we can't see or can't touch or can't quantify. Yep, and uh, I don't know. that That's that's what makes today so difficult, especially for for you and I who are not in that clubhouse. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, even, even the reporters down there aren't in it as much as I'm sure they would like. But they do have off-the-record conversations, right? Like, and I'm going to talk to some people who know some things, and mm -hmm. especially, like, Stephen Brunt knows Charlie Montoyo very, Has very probably well. had a conversation with him today, not to put Stephen Brunt on the spot ahead yeah. of the show, but... Yeah, well, and keep it tuned to Sportsnet 590, the fan. Fan drive time coming up after 5 o'clock. We will ask him that very question. But no, this is a man that's been to his home before. Um, yeah, I, that's that's what I'm I'm going to try to get to the bottom of in the in the next couple of hours is exactly what's happening here because here me as a rube like me that the only way I can evaluate this stuff is through like body language and post game media availabilities which is stupid right but to me it feels like especially when things go wrong and this is like it seems so easy that I want to push back from this but it does feel like a you know a lack of accountability. Like for, mm -hmm. and, and, and it's not that he's just letting the inmates run the asylum, right? It, it's, there's, 
we're not talking about extremes here, but it does feel like it just ever since he arrived, and maybe that was a, a feature, not a bug at first, especially, right? That he was the happy-go-lucky mm -hmm. dude, and he wasn't always like that in the minor leagues, right? He was a really fiery dude, but since he arrived on the scene with the Blue Jays, it just has felt a little loose. And for a team with expectations like this team does, at times that, that didn't sit well with me, and maybe, maybe, just maybe, it didn't sit great with some of the players in that clubhouse. Maybe he was a Tom. And what the Blue Jays need now is a wartime consigliere, <laughs> not a not a peacetime consigliere. It's, it's uh, the Jays possible. the Jays do have a game tonight. We're gonna get we're gonna hand it over to you and Stephen uh, momentarily here for fan drive time. Ben Wagner has the call for you. First pitch seven oh seven on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Blair and Barker have Jays talk for you post game. I know we didn't tee up the game like we normally do very very quickly zach wheeler is awesome 246 era big velocity 9.9 .9 strikeouts per nine and only two walks per nine doesn't allow a, a lot of home runs he is an absolute monster 96 miles an hour with the fastball 91 with the slider both of them are borderline unhittable in terms of the batted ball stuff only three jays have ever faced zach wheeler tasker hernandez two for five with a home run I'm Altapia, one for two. Matt Chapman, one for two with a home run. Ross Stripling counters with the best changeup in baseball, according to Eno Saris's stuff plus metric. Ross Stripling, 334 ERA. He will get the ball tasked with getting the Jays on the right foot for the John Schneider era. Uh, thanks to all the guests we rotated in and out as we reacted to Charlie Montoyo today. Thank you to producer J.R. Manitad, who knocked it out of the park, getting lots of guests for us today. Thanks to Derek behind the glass. And thank you, Ben Ennis, for taking a few minutes before fan drive time. Uh, ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt, coming up next on Sports at 590, The Fan.